Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. And I'm Russell Howe. And this is Toys by Chance, where we come and talk all things movies, television, streaming, all that good shit. And this is our first installment of Pirates Month. We thought we decided for this year to do our very first theme month. You guys voted. You guys wanted to talk about the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Not the one we thought was going to win, but an interesting one nonetheless, because there are actually a lot of things to say about this franchise. But uh, considering that, well, we're doing a bunch of these back-to-back, uh, so they're going to be a little shorter show. So we want to do something a little special, and we're talking about the first Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. So there is literally no other person we could have brought on for this one. Uh, you know him from Multiplex, and you know him from the Cult of Liminal Miranda. Uh, it is Caleb Coho. <laughs> Caleb, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I love the Cult of Liminal Miranda. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean is, is probably my favorite movie franchise of all time, if I'm going to be truly honest to myself. Uh, so... I'm excited to talk about the first one, which is very easily the best one. Well, we, 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 we like to keep our cards close to the chest before we talk our reviews, but it's, it's okay. You're, it's, it's your first time here. We'll, let's just slide. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're going to get to that in a second. First of which, we're going to talk, uh, you know, your segments, our trailer talk and our movie news. Uh, but first, it's going to be a little very, very short. Though. Not a lot has dropped in the past few days, but we have some stuff to talk about. First of which is the trailer for The High Note. Uh, so The High Note is a movie, it stars. I'm blanking on her name. Tracy Ellis Ross. She is the mom on Blackish and Dakota Johnson. It's basically about an older uh, singer who's trying to, and this young assistant who's also a music producer is trying to help revitalize her career. And at that, <laughs> I was watching this trailer and I thought, this premise sounds so familiar it's because we li- I literally just saw this movie. It was the premise of Late Night <laughs> last year with Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Except they switched the races. Uh, but regardless, um, uh, Caleb, as a, you know, as a musician, what did you think of this trailer? Um, I watched it and I had no idea this was a movie that was actually coming out. Uh, and it looks delightful. It looks kind of charming. Um, I agree. I I'm, I'm going to see it. Uh, it looks, it looks kind of fun. It doesn't look like it's going to be anything too spectacular or deep, but it'll be fun. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this actually looks like a, like a sweet movie. It looks like, uh, you know, a nice, like easy breezy film. What's telling me on this cast? I do like the cast because in addition to Dakota Johnson and uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, you got Calvin Harrison Jr. who was like one of my MVPs of last year between Loose and Waves. Uh, Ice Cube, June and Raphael, Eddie Izzard's apparently in the movie. Uh, Russell, what did you think of the trailer for The High Note? Yeah, kind of how you said. Uh, we've seen it before, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. I think we were talking about this with our Fifty Shades uh, episode with Dakota Johnson, her her choice. Like She's really kind of getting out of all that, obviously, with like you know Peanut Butter Falcon, trying to tackle different things that she normally wouldn't. So this is a little bit more of one of those like serious comedic type films. It looks all right, yeah. I, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll go see it for sure. Um, and you have you're surrounded by a lot of good cast, so I think it should be a good film. Hey, let's not forget that Jamie Dornan's also doing a lot to you know he's doing a lot for his career after Fifty Shades Grey signed under the Robin Hood franchise. It's gonna be a big thing. We're gonna get six sequels, and he's gonna be the villain Hell of all yeah. of them. Hell yes, Robin Hood, Robin Hood two, twenty twenty six. We've never seen Robin Hood before. <laughs> did, did, did you did you not see it, Russell? I'm pretty sure you saw, it, didn't you? What? Which one? The the, the Terran Edition Robin Hood, right? One? Yes. Did, did yeah. You? Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I must it's have, awful. I must have yeah. misheard you. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I thought I thought I misheard you, but yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So the high note is set for a May eighth, twenty twenty release again. Counter programming to a big blockbuster coming out the week prior. So, hopefully, it does pretty well. 
Uh, next show we're talking about is for Artemis Fowl. So we, this movie was actually supposed to come out last year, but got pushed back to the, to the summer of this year. And this, I will say, okay, Caleb, let me ask you for real quick. Have you actually read this book? I have never read the books. Everyone says it's kind of like this, like young supervillain origin story. And that's not at all what I got from this. That, no, that's so. not at all. It, it, it looks like many men in black to me. <laughs> kind of. But what I will say, look, I, uh, I, okay. So I was hoping you could, you can get some insight, but I guess you, 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 you dropped the ball on that one. Co, you dropped the ball. Uh, you know what? I, I, I have to turn in my, my team 19 card. I you do. have not read Artemis Fowl. Nope. Uh, you gotta, you gotta turn in your Gen Z card, but, uh, look, for, based on my perspective, it looked like a kid who, uh, his his dad is Colin Farrell. He's got he's been taken hostage by some magic stuff, and now he has to become like the Mini Men in Black with the help of the Black Guy from Game of Thrones season two. Which Russell, you wouldn't know because you haven't gotten past you haven't gotten to that point in season two of Game of Thrones. Uh, so, but I did I did let the I did let our listeners know that I did finish the uh, the show. You you did um, I, I did do that. You the first did two seasons. Uh, just just saying. Uh, Got to get back into Game of Thrones. Yes, you do. It'll happen eventually. Okay, so I'll go, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this new trailer for Artemis Fell? Different feel for sure. Um, we get more out of it. I think they went for it. It was almost like a darker tone, the first trailer. Um, right. And this is something that's like kind of uh, risque for uh, Disney. I think, I don't know. I have a feeling that this is going to bomb. Like, it just has that, that make of like a bomb. I think for this is going to bomb. No, well, but what I'm saying is the the feeling that I get from it. Like, I think it's just it, it's crazy to think that this is a Disney this is a Disney production. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I and I just don't know if it's going to reach the audience that it it it, it wants to reach or it's intended to reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I want to see it. I, I am kind of curious about it from what I've seen. I really like the first trailer. This trailer, eh, like kind of how you said, like a little Men in Blackish. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that this is like, this is one of the Disney ones where I'm like, I really kind of surprised Disney attached their name to this. Yeah. I, I, am kind of saying, but, but, uh, Caleb, you kind of, kind of alluded to your thoughts, but what do you, what do you actually think of this new Artemis Fowl trailer? I didn't know Colin Farrell was in this movie Me until neither. I saw this new trailer. Me neither. I, I was kind of surprised, but yeah, no, when I, I watched it and it, it gave me more information about like what the actual story of this is, but like, I, I guess I just don't follow. Like it, it went from being about this guy who robs banks and is like the greatest criminal mastermind to being about the son now having to save that criminal mastermind from elves and trolls. I was like, I don't understand what this movie's supposed to be or trying to be. Okay, so we're all on the same page. We're all very confused. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, it's good. Good, good, good to know I'm not alone. But I do think that it looks good. Kenneth Brown is the director of this film, which means he's going to have two movies this year between this and. Uh, Death on the Nile, the new the new Hercule Poirot movie. But I will say that this is I kind of do agree with Russell. This is a weird thing to put your put your chips down on, especially because especially with the history of franchise like fantasy movies bombing in recent you know recent memory. I will say this is probably a movie that should have been pushed Disney Plus because I think it might have yeah. done might have done a lot better there than it would have in theaters. True. Because you look at something yeah. like uh, that's the vibe I'm getting. Look, look at something like Togo or uh, Timmy Failure, to where like they're actually they're, they're I'm assuming they're finding their audience. I slowly see Togo, but Timmy Failure, I know a lot of people who have watched it and liked it a lot. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, Artemis Fowl is set for a release 
in May 29th, 2020. So uh, really doubling down on that May Disney between, uh, between this and Black Widow. They're going to own the month. And last year we're talking about, one that actually just dropped today as recording this, is the trailer for Connected. So like, I'm going to get my thoughts first because I watched this, this trailer and it looks like, <laughs> like, oh, the family's going to take a, a cross-country road trip to college. I thought, where have I seen this before? I'm like, oh, this is that, uh, remember that college road trip movie with Martin Lawrence and Raven Simone that came out in like, 2008? <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, oh, we're, we're making that. Then like, out of nowhere we get like robots taking over the world. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's a, a family taking on a robot Armageddon. It's basically like Terminator, but also with like a road trip in the middle of it. So uh, it, it's real, it's real weird. And uh, Lord and Miller producers on this movie. So Koho, what do you think of the trailer for Connected? I was really on board for the first half of this trailer. I was like, this looks really sweet. This looks like a like a really like just nice family animated sort of like road trip comedy. That's going to be about, you know, like, you just stop being on your phones or whatever that sort of mentality. And then we kind of just switch gears in the last 30 seconds to like, oh, by the way, you have to save the world from killer robots. Oh, and I was like, oh, also, okay. also, by the way, <laughs> by, by the way, Terminator 6. All right. <laughs> but this, this is probably better than Terminators 3 through 6. At least True. I hope I hope it will be. Uh, yeah, so it's it's almost like a completely different studio took over this movie. Like after the halfway point, it's just like we need some excitement. Throw some robots in there, because why not? Uh, Russell, what do you what do you think of the trailer for Connected? Yeah, not a well connected trailer. Kind of what, kind of what you said, man. It's like we're watching them like on board with it. It's like okay, so he's trying to bond with his daughter instead of like her flying. They cancel, and they're gonna have that heart to heart bonding moment. And then all of a sudden, and robots. It's like uh, okay, not quite sure where the tone of this switched like that, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely crazy for that second half of the trailer. Um, hopefully, when they, I mean, we, we're getting a September release out of this one, so maybe they'll do a more cohesive uh trailer where it just it, it, the the tone's all the same you know what i mean like this one just didn't know where it was going like the first half it wants to be like this you know somber you know film like this bonding film between you know father daughter and family and stuff and then all of a sudden boom we're like in a sci-fi i'm like uh okay like it, it was it was a little bit weird you're giving sony a little too much credit russell this is this is sony we're talking about uh i get it but i'm just saying it's just it's yeah not a well connected trailer has a voice cast that features the likes of Abby Jacobson, who, let's, let's remind everyone, had literally just escaped a bad Sony movie a few years earlier with the Emoji movie, but I guess now it's... <laughs> he could not run that Sony for long. Uh, Danny McBride voicing the father, Maya Rudolph, because, of course, voicing the mother. And weirdly enough, Olivia Colman is, is going to voice the robots. Yeah, Oscar winner, Olivia Colman. Which is a weird fit, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh... So yeah, that's uh, that movie is set for a September eighteenth, twenty twenty release. That ends our trailer talk set, which we now move on to notorious news. We used to say movie news, but there's, we talk about more than just movies now. Uh, first of which is uh, Lizzie McGuire. I don't think we talked about like the full kind of this story. We talked about how this show was put on hold, but now we have a little more insight into why, thanks to some you know talks from Hillary Duff and some other people involved with the show. Uh, it turns out they wanted to go with a more you know. Uh, I guess I guess hard edge, more like adult oriented show, while Disney wants something more family friendly, uh, which is why the which is where the whole disconnect came between 
uh, between uh, the creators and the you know network that is Disney, and that's why the show came to like a, a screeching halt. They wanted to move to Hulu in the same way that the Love Simon follow up, I think it's like Love Hector or something like that, uh, moved over to Hulu for being uh, more you know more uh, a grown up show. So uh, as okay, I know Russell and I were big on Liz McGuire. Co- uh, Caleb, how familiar are you with Liz McGuire? Did you watch the show? Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, what I thought. Love Liz McGuire. So like that, that's that's one of the cornerstones of, of my Disney Channel experiences. Okay, so we're we're all on the same page here. So uh, uh, so what 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 feel would you like from a Lizzie McGuire follow up? Would you like the more family friendly edition what, or the good? Uh, I think that they had the right idea by going more adult-oriented. That's kind of where their audience is now. Like, we all grew up with Liz McGuire, so, like, I don't think any, like, I don't think my younger sister cares about Lizzie McGuire. Uh, it's not her thing, but, like, for me and, like, uh, people our age, like, that was one of our shows. So to pick up with her when we're all on the same sort of age range-ish to see what she's doing now I think would be a more interesting take. Um, a more adult-oriented follow-up to a very kid-friendly show, I think would be a very interesting, cool idea. I'd watch that. I don't really want to see the family-friendly, watered-down sequel, I guess. I, I, you want to see Liz McGuire, single, frustrated with three kids? <laughs> She's not getting child support from Gordon. Yeah, go. Practicing <laughs> to become a nun. Practicing to become a nun. It's it's one of those two. You're either gonna be a single frustrated mother or an, or you're gonna be like training to become a nun. There's no in between. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Russell, you on the same page as uh, as Caleb on that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking from somebody a little bit older, a little bit more uh, years under my belt, but uh, yeah, you want to go with the vibe. Okay, the vibe of the show and the movie was the kid, you know, kid friendly, family oriented type of show. That's what it was. But just like everything, you know, it evolves. She's she's older. Hillary, you know, Hillary Duff's older now. She's married, has kids. I mean, you know, why would you want to continue the same exact thing that you've already kind of rehashed? You know, what I mean, kind of what Caleb said, your audience has grown, so you as a person, you know, have to grow too. So why go back to what was already done? You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I completely agree with the more serious tone of it because again, you're gonna have that older audience. Well, I want Lizzie McGuire to become a nun because that's what the property. No, kidding. I, I, I would like to see a more. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because it's kind of doing what Boy Meets World did in reverse. Because Boy Meets World, that was that was like a very, you know, older theme show. Like it was, it was a show that like kids could watch, but like it, it resonated more with the older audience. But then the sequel, Girl Meets World, took a more family friendly appeal, except when it didn't, which is why like that sh- that show had like a really confused tone. It didn't know what it wanted to be, and I feel like this one knows what it wanted to be. Just like this, just like ah, no, 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 no. You're gonna be family friendly, goddammit. But <laughs> and that's why I, I I do hope that the show does end up happening because I was actually at D23. I was in the, the Disney Plus panel when this was announced, and the crowd went nuts. And also because everyone on the show who's Crazy. not everyone who's show on the show who's not Hillary Duff needs the work because in, even she might need the work because no I don't know how much longer she gave up that TV Land younger show because it's still going yeah and but doesn't but have she's, a lot of years in her spelt she's married to a hockey player she's set oh her husband is a hockey player right yeah she's married to a hockey player so she's set and and on top of it it's not like we're we're asking for like Lizzie McGuire meets striptease you know what I mean I mean I don't know how dark they think that this seriousness we're, is getting we're not you know I mean it's not like that's not what we're asking for yeah uh, I mean <laughs> not, not, not that I'm asking. aware of ah. well I mean I'm sure there's some community out there to ask I mean, for I who suppose. knows I, 
I don't think Disney would get behind that very much. Probably not. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully it's McGuire. Hopefully that gets back on board. It has to go to Hulu, send it to Hulu. That's, that's just, just give us more Liz McGuire. That's all that's what we all want. Uh, next story we're talking about is uh, Ben Affleck back in the news. Um, uh, he gave a little update on his uh, McScam movie, which is the, the movie based on the McDonald's uh, the McDonald's Monopoly com, which if you, if you don't know the story, uh, it's basically a story about how uh, this cop had he had a network of like mobsters, strip club owners, among other and among other things. Uh, oh, let me see. It's a, a network of mobsters, psychic strip club owners, and drug traffickers who basically conned the system to win all the prizes of the McDonald's Monopoly thing, which is why I don't think they do it anymore. <laughs> I, think I think they've since stopped that whole concept. And I think... At- and I think that stripping thing was loosely based on the Lizzie McGuire. Liz, Liz McGuire. See how we segued into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Liz, Liz McGuire is going to cross like, over it's, to this it's movie. It's a whole entire world. It's like, yeah. We got the shared cinematic it's universe. Like, so that's, that's what the Liz McGuire show should be. Uh, her conning with Ben Affleck. To, that took a hard. <laughs> to, yeah, that took a hard. That, that took a hard left. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I didn't watch this show when I was younger, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Affleck said that he actually has this. This was a movie that was going to happen, but it was a movie that got greenlit right before the Disney Fox merger. So it was literally like it was one of those that was thought to be dead, but it turns out it might not be dead. It could, it could come back because uh, he was doing uh, an update. They, they said they have a new draft, but it is like it, it, with new draft, it's really good. He was going to direct. I think Matt Damon was going to star in it, uh, but everything ever since the Disney Fox merger, everything was up in the air. He's got his other movies focusing on, like he's got The Last Duel, um, he's got uh, Deep Water, the Adrian Lin film coming out. So yeah, he's got a lot on his plate, but and but st- still, he hasn't set a new project for himself to direct yet. So, And if you want to know more about the story, you can look it up. And there's actually an HBO docuseries going on right now. It's either going on right now, or it's either finished, called McMillions. It breaks down the entire, the entire way this went down. Uh, so... Uh, Caleb, are you familiar with the story? And if you are, is this a movie that is a movie that you want to see happen at all? I'm not familiar with the actual like events of like this whole con scam of Monopoly for McDonald's. I just I vaguely remember hearing something about it, but like I'm super interested in the idea of what this story is, and I'm totally down for like a crime like story about how they you know totally just. Ruined McDonald's is fun. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Like the most ruined contest since they had their, uh, I can't remember what year it was. It was one of the Olympics where they just like the U.S. wins, you win. Like this was. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it was it was a contest where like every time the U.S. won a medal, they said like you can like cash in for a prize. Like if they won a gold, you could you could cash it. You get like a free Big Mac. If they won silver, you get a free like medium fry. If you want, if they won a bronze, you, uh, they got a free drink. Thing is, that was the year the U.S. won like 150 to 200 medals, so they gave away so much stuff. Uh, so, so, that's that's why America's a beast, though. That's it was, why it was the because of the Olympics. Okay. because of the Olympics. That's why. Uh, <laughs> um, ironic. Figure that out. Uh, so Russell, I mean, we, we, we talked about we talked about the story when it broke and the fact that this movie might not be dead now this movie like like a same question to you this movie you want to see come to fruition with ben affleck at the helm 
Absolutely. I love Affleck as a director. I mean, I mean, Live by Night obviously was a little bit of a miss, but we've seen what he could do, you know, with uh, Gone Baby Gone and, uh, you know, uh, The Town. Fantastic director. Best picture uh, winner, this, Argo. Like, kind of, an R, yeah, Argo. We have Doug, the, the obvious. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm used, you know, I, I really am. I'm curious about the story. Um as somebody who you know always frequented the McDonald's for the for the Monopoly, you can never get Park Place. You could get Boardwalk, but you, you ne- couldn't get Park no. Place. I yeah, you never get Park Place. Park Place is like the it's it's like the seven eighths bowl. It never it doesn't exist. And how much we want no, to exist, it doesn't like, exist. It's like listen, they, they they don't make that piece. Like it's 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 not there. Um, well, but yeah, I'm. It's not there because of these guys. That's, the that's that's the story. Went. Yeah, and I I'm completely um. Yeah, I'm completely on board with this. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, movie. Yeah, well, here's here's fingers crossed it gets made. So, uh, next piece of news: we have some Tom Holland news. Uh, a few pieces of that. First of which, uh, Tom Holland says that well, in in response to the ever so popular deep fake video that cast him as Marty McFly and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Christopher Lloyd. No, Christopher Lloyd. It's Doc Brown. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's as Christopher Lloyd. That that that's who he was cast as. They said that talks have actually taken place beto- uh, d- about to remake uh, Back to the Future, which I don't think came as a surprise to any of us because I'd be more shocked if, if talks about to remake this movie hadn't happened based on the climate yeah. of filmmaking in Hollywood right now. But uh, now, Caleb, I believe I know the answer to this. From you to you, Russell. Actually, I'll go to Russell first. Do you want to see a Back to the Future remake? I know you don't, but do you? <laughs> and if you do, no. do you want to see what Tom wants? <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> okay, that's what I mean. I, I don't, but I mean, but if we're gonna get it, I mean, I think Tom Holland and you know, would you say RDJ for RDJ? I think it'd be kind of fun. I, I think, think it'd be fun, but I, I, that's a proper. I just, yeah, just don't think we should touch that. I, I kind of get Caleb. I want to. Say, are, are you on the same page? Yeah, on the same page. If they go, if they're gonna remake it, remake it with those two. I think that'd be fun. See, I'd... but I don't. I don't want that remake, but if I would rather just see those two in an original time travel adventure. This is where I dis- this is where I disagree. If you're gonna remake, yeah. if you're gonna remake Back to the Future, you don't you don't you make it this way. You make Black to the Future. Get ready, Kevin Hart, because oh, you're coming back in time. Oh boy, <laughs> it's gonna be the, the Rock and Kevin the Hart. Rock, Kevin Hart. The Rock is Doc Brown. Not even gonna lie, I'd watch that too. I'd watch that too, dude. Dude, I, I would be down for that, I'm not going to lie. No, yeah. That, yeah. I, it's <laughs> Black to the Future, coming 2021. But honestly, if they're going to remake Back to the Future, I don't think they make it with anyone other than Tom Holland because the dude the dude is such a hot commod right now. Between Spider-Man and possibly Uncharted, which we'll get to in a second. Like He is he is everywhere. I kind of I wouldn't want RDJ to be Doc Brown just because I don't... I, it seems like their careers are like really linked right now because they're in, they're in a bunch of movies together. <laughs> like between even outside of the MCU, they were in the Doctor Doolittle film, which I, I think I, I'm not sure if any of you guys saw. I know Russell did. Did you see it, Caleb? I don't think you did. I, I did not. Of course you didn't. It's yeah. pro- probably it's pro- one of the worst films of the year. I'm oh oh yeah, I, I think it's the worst film of the year. Although well, I didn't see the, the turning was pretty bad too. I didn't see the turning, so I, I can't talk. Yeah, I can't it was pretty that. bad. Do yourself a favor. We've I think I already have like three in the top ten or three top ten. Uh, Worst films of the year already. Is, is it, is it Doolittle do little turning in the grudge? Doolittle is absolutely there. I think Doolittle will be there by the end of the year for sure. I don't see that going anywhere. Um, the turning, 
Um, what was the other one I just watched? I said it wasn't that good. Wasn't, wasn't it a horror movie? Is that The Grudge? No, it wasn't. No. Oh, well, The Grudge is up there. Yeah, Grudge was, yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I can see that one, like, you know, finding its way out of the top ten, maybe be, like, honorable mention for bad films of the year. There was another one I can't think of I, I saw that wasn't that good. It was a horror film, I think. Well, if you, if you think about it, uh, if you think about it, let us know. But, yeah, so uh, speaking of Tom Holland, other, to- or other short talk about him today, uh, his Uncharted movie, which has been stop and go for the past, like, seven years. Like, they literally had an evolving door of directors entering into this project. Uh, it looks like it's finally on track with Ruben Fleischer. Not the best director to be attached to this thing, but it seems to be Sony's boy. Every time they need to make a movie, there you go. Uh, he has, uh, in addition to him and Mark Wahlberg as Sully, which is funny because he was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake when David Russell was attached to this thing. Uh, Antonio Banderas, Academy Award nominee Antonio Banderas, has just signed on to this film. Uh, no word on what character he's going to be. Uh, there's a word that he's probably going to be the villain. I mean, there's no word. I'm just guessing he's probably going to be the villain of this film. Now, speaking to myself first, I will say this is the one casting of the movie that I myself can really get behind because I really don't think a young Nathan Drake movie is a good idea. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think that if you're gonna like adapt Uncharted, like I don't think that's a real way to. I don't think it's a real way to appeal to fans. Just like, hey, we're gonna make making an Uncharted movie. Yes, it's gonna be about like the playthrough flashback levels of like the first and fourth games. Like what? <laughs> but. Uh, uh, Coho, are you, are you familiar with the Uncharted games? And if so, uh, are you excited for the movie? And does Antonio Banderas up your excitement for it? Um, I have played all four Uncharted games. I absolutely love the fourth one. It's one of my favorite video games of all time. Is that right? Um, and I would love to see Nathan. I would have loved to see Nathan Fillion actually just become Nathan Drake and play. I think all like, of us would play those movies. But uh, if we have to do a prequel, you know, not mad about Tom Holland. Antonio Banderas being involved is cool. He's a great actor. Um, and I haven't seen Antonio Banderas in much like that I've loved recently. Well, that's because outside of that's his you didn't see Doolittle. That's because you didn't see, see Doolittle. He's in that movie. There's, you're right. I, did, I didn't see Doolittle. I probably would love him in Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> bring, it, bring it back. <laughs> all, all connected. All connected. Uh, yeah. And Elizabeth McGuire comes in to do like her just because she's a uh, out of work stripper. And there Hell you go. Enough. There you have it. Cinematic it's universe. Done deal. <laughs> done deal. Uh, so uh, yeah, Russell, same same question to you. And I, I know I guarantee you're not familiar with the Uncharted games at all. I know that. I'm 120 percent not. Uh, yes. I'm kind of out of the video game loop. Um, I think I got out what of the a, loop once. What are they like making? Halo. What are they making the Pong um, movie? Yeah, um, yeah. So I could really care less. Uh, I have no attachment. I have no idea. I've, I've heard of obviously Uncharted, but couldn't tell you anything about it. And uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, really it's don't care. So it's basically the, the video game Indiana Jones. Best way I can describe it. Okay. I mean, sure. You know, I, I'd go see it maybe just to you know, kind of you know, I guess get an understanding of what the hell it's about. But yeah, to me, I have like no horse in the race on this one, so I could really care less. All right. So there, well, there, well, there we go. Russell does. Russell doesn't care, <laughs> and Caleb and I are really, really psyched to see Antonio Banderas in the Uncharted <laughs> film. Uh, uh, next story we're talking about is that uh, Visible Man has been crushing it recently. Uh, already at a grand total of, it opened to twenty nine million dollars over the opening weekend in the U.S. and has a grand total of fifty million dollars worldwide. 
So yeah, the movies are, and because again, Blumhouse, they <laughs> they are cheap. So this movie is already pro- turning a profit. And in addition to that, uh, writer-director Lee Wanell has signed a two-year first-look deal with Blumhouse Productions, which means uh, basically means that if he has any ideas he wants to make as far as like film or television goes, they will get first crack at those scripts. So, uh, have all of us seen Invisible Man here? I know Russell has. I I have not. Oh, Russell has. I did not. I. That's right. I was going to on Sunday. We just didn't get around to it. Yeah. Uh, maybe hoping that. Back and I can maybe catch it tonight, possibly. I don't know. I definitely want to see it. It was one of the most anticipated ones of the year for me. I know. It's why so, I'm shocked uh, you seen yeah, it so far. Definitely want to see it. Uh, so, okay, but, Caleb, did you see Invisible Man? Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think it's, it was a very well made movie. Uh, I'd love to see them do more like stuff like this with these classic sort of monsters and different twists on them in low budget, but still really interesting in creative ways. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I'm glad it's doing well. I mean, we have uh, this is Dark Universe uh, start number. Who the fuck is even counting anymore? Uh, <laughs> unless they said to roll it all together and bring in uh, Luke Evans and Tom Cruise for the sequel. Uh, <laughs> now, now, I will oh, yeah. say, they, they, also, <laughs> they also did say that they are open to making more monster films, so... Uh, if they're con- going to continue with this model, what are some monsters you would want to see Blumhouse try and take on? Now, for me personally, I would want to see him take on the Wolfman. I think we are long overdue for another good Wolfman movie, another good werewolf movie. I haven't seen one of those in quite some time. Maybe, maybe not since The Howling. Actually, I'm, actually, I'm sure there's, there's been a good werewolf film this, since then. I just can't think of it. So, uh, Russell, what, 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 mon- what universal monster would you like to see them try and take on? I was literally going to say the same thing. Wolfman. Wolfman? Uh, yeah. Well, I took it. What, the one with Antonio Banderas and Anthony Hopkins wasn't that good. You, 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 mean, um, you mean Benicio del Toro? Benicio del Toro? Not Antonio Banderas? Did I say Benicio? You said Antonio I Banderas. Know, I said Benicio del Toro, didn't I? You said Antonio Did Banderas. That's because you had to bring him up talking about the damn guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's what I uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you said Benicio del Toro. You, said, you meant to say Anthony Hopkins, which, are, uh, which is even worse. Cause those, are, those are two completely different actors. Wasn't Anthony Hopkins in the film with him? He was, but you said Antonio Banderas, not Anthony Hopkins. Oh, my God. I meant to say Anthony Hopkins. It's because you talked about the damn guy. <laughs> got, got, got embedded in my head, in the networking of my brain. Okay, anyway, yeah. I, Wolfman is the answer to the question, okay? Okay. Uh, with or without Antonio Banderas, of with, course. But how about with, how about with, how about with Antonio Banderas? Let's, let's, let's make that move. <laughs> sure, you can make, a, give, make it like a desperado once upon a time in Mexico type feel to it. Why not? Ooh, and bring that franchise back. And this time he's a wolf man. There you go. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they haven't. Bruno Rodriguez is directed. There you so. go. Uh, and then Lizzie McGuire's, the Lizzie McGuire's in it. Just, it's, yeah. <laughs> we got the whole thing, dude. We have this whole entire cinematic universe that they don't even know about yet. We got to figure it out. Uh, to Caleb, any monster you want to try, t- try and tackle, or are you going to jump on our bandwagon and say Wolfman? Oh, no. Creature, for, creature from the Black Lagoon, 100%. Yeah, I'll wait for someone to that one. Make a creature movie. I think doing that movie in the modern day would be like, or like updated for today would be really cool, especially with a like low budget Blumhouse sort of take of like not really seeing this creature and like totally just putting a creative twist on it. I could totally see Blumhouse crushing a creature from the Black Lagoon movie. Yeah, I mean that that was also one of the ones they wanted to do with the Dark Universe, which they set up. I mean, we saw the, the jar with the creature's hand in it. Be like, we're totally gonna get that sequel at, at some point. No, we're not. <laughs> Dark Universe lasted <laughs> one of maybe one. I don't know if this counts or not, but yeah. Regardless, uh, little man crushing it. 
sure to see more Universal Monster updates in the future, which I, I welcome because I also did quite enjoy The Invisible Man. And uh, last piece of news talking about is this is actually a huge story for Netflix. They have just announced that they are going to have a full-blown comedy festival. It's called the Netflix is a Joke Festival, uh, which will take place uh, March 27th to May 3rd. So it's going to be a week-long a week-long uh, comedy festival. And it's actually got some, like, it's got, like, the lineup for this is incredible. Like, here's some of the names they've, some of the names they've attached this thing. Uh, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, uh, David Letterman, Jane Fonda, and Lily Tomlin. Uh, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, Kevin Hart, uh, Martin Lawrence, which he was now to use going back to stand-up special. Uh, going back to stand-up with Netflix at some point. And uh, this is going to be uh, the one that breaks him back into it. Uh, the, the lineup for this thing is absolutely insane. One, actually, another one that said that to me is Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is going to be going back to stand-up, which is crazy, because the dude has not had a stand-up special since 2000, like 2005. So it's going yeah, so to be great to see him back on stage, because Jamie Foxx, people forget how funny he can truly be. Uh, but yeah, you look up the lineup for this thing, it is, it is absolutely crazy, just the, the amount of talent they got, which I, think, I do think this is kind of them... It's a smart business move for them, at least in my opinion, because you look at what Netflix is known for right now. It's Stranger Things, True Crime, Stand Up, and really nothing else. Because every beloved show they have gets canceled after at least three seasons. At, at most three seasons. There are a few outliers, but most of them just don't get the axe pretty quick. So, uh, Have either of you guys heard, uh, looked at this lineup for the whole, for, for Netflix as a joke? Um, I did. I did hear it. I, I saw it on Facebook, and I read a little bit about it. Uh, like I literally did today. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm behind it for sure. You got a lot of talent there. I think it's going to be pretty hilarious. Uh, Caleb. Yeah, I saw a few bits and pieces about it. Um, I think this is the smartest business move they can make, considering all the specials that they do, and like they have that clout with with everyone that you've mentioned, like Jane, or with uh, Dave Chappelle and and Kevin Hart, and everyone having a, have collaborated with Netflix, putting them in one place. I think is really smart, especially if they film all these things and then eventually put them out on Netflix later. I think would be is the end game, so that like if you can go to this festival, you make the money then, and then you can capitalize on it again later by releasing the Netflix exclusive videos of it um i think netflix is making a really smart move here which i forgot to mention dave Chappelle is actually playing the hollywood bowl which is an insane venue like it is it was ever like anyone doesn't know look look at the hollywood bowl just as a venue it is like it is a fucking great place to perform uh other uh there's another one that actually i was gonna say uh i feel bad for like a lot of these like smaller comics because they're probably gonna get like eaten alive by these bigger ones it's like oh it's just dave Chappelle. And, oh this other one i've never heard of cool whatever but it's, it is cool to have that special produced. Now, what I will say is there are a few people that I think that should or could possibly be in there, first of which is, I mean, got to throw some love to my father, Mark Ellis. I want him to get a Netflix special, but that's just me. I'm biased. Uh, I honestly think, like, Olivia Coleman should be part of this, part of this festival. I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not joking. Because, like, Olivia Coleman is, like, legitimately, legitimately hilarious. And I want to see her get a stand-up. For, for just my personal reason. I, I, I know unpopular opinion, okay? Oh, boy. This is going to get a lot of hate. But I do like Amy Schumer. Uh, and she has a lot of hate. Listen, I, I, I do think she's funny, though. I've watched like her stand-ups on Netflix before. I think she is talented. I think she is pretty funny. Um, I think she would be a good addition to that, too, if possible. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's, actually, just she is. Unpopular she, she is opinion, I know. She is in the lineup. She is. I just, I just didn't mention her because I didn't want to. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, really? Okay. Uh, is, what about is John Mulaney in this lineup? Uh, John Mulaney, I have. He is not as far as as of right now. He is not. Okay, because that's really surprising. They, Hasn't he done the most Netflix comedy specials? I'm not sure if he's done the most, but he's done a good amount of them. What about uh, when we're taking you back to to my early what 2000s? What about Dane Cook? Uh, no, thank thankfully, no, he is not here. No, no one's paying out that. Uh, was, I mean, money. I mean, again, this was this, this was like a piss in a wind. This was a piss in a wind moment. I think um, he was big for a couple years there, and then just like disappeared. He was. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's how you know that like Netflix was like really desperate to give specials to Dane Cook and Carlos Mencia. <laughs> the, the second they get specials, that's that's when Netflix goes down the drain. Some someone who I think that is has a very high chance of being part of this special, Eddie Murphy. Because it was announced last year he's going back to stand-up and he's actually going to get a Netflix special. I think this would be like the perfect venue for him to you know, make his big comeback. He had a big, he had a big, he had a big crowd ready to go and see some comedy and bring like a legend like Eddie back, especially among like all these like comedy greats. I think it would actually be a really, like a really good move. I hope they – I do think it would be a good idea for them to capitalize on it, but who knows, who knows anymore? <laughs> I, 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 I hope it happens. Yeah, it would, I mean, it would make sense. That would even be more, like, I think would maybe drive him to even pull out even more, like, A-plus game, you know what I mean? Because of the fact he has to try to keep up with these other guys. Oh, yeah, we could get a lot of, like, really gold out of Betty Murphy out of it, though. It would make sense. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Netflix is, a, Netflix is a Joke Festival is happening uh, April 27th to May 3rd in L.A. Honestly, I might, I might try and go down and catch some shows. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I'd be looking for that. I'm sure all these specials will be dropping on Netflix some point later in the year. And that is the end of our notorious news segment. We now get to the main event. We get to review Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. So a little background on this film. First of all, on the ride. The ride opened, I believe, 1967. The last ride that Disney oversaw himself. And there's actually like an urban myth that his frozen head is beneath the ride. I'm not going to confirm or deny that, but it, it, it could happen. There have been, cra- there have been crazier things. Uh, this has a screenplay by uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rosso. They worked on Aladdin. They worked on Shrek. Uh, they had this is actually conceived. They had nothing to do with, to do with pirates. This was conceived in like the mid '90s. They wanted to make like a supernatural pirate film. No studio had any interest in it. But uh, Disney in 2001 picked up the script when they wanted to make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and it's like it just 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 you know scribble in the name. Doesn't matter where. Just scribble in the name. And, yeah, this was seen as, like, a huge gamble when it came out because the pirate genre was dead. Uh, it was based on the theme park ride. There were so many things going against this film. But against literally all odds, it came out. It was number one opening weekend with $46 million. It was a huge, huge hit. Went on to make, let's see, uh, $65 million on a $140 million budget. Uh, and... Uh, ultimately spawned one of the highest grossing film franchises of all time, which we're going to be looking at the entire one, but let's talk about where it all started with Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Let's get into it. Uh, so this movie starts off with actually a shot that is actually a composite of five different shots. This is actually... I don't know why this took five different ways to finish it, but fuck it, I don't, I don't make movies. Who knows? <laughs> uh, as we open up with a flashback, we meet our main character, Elizabeth Swan, who is on... A ship going to I don't know where. She's the father. She's the daughter of the governor, played by future Academy Award winner Jonathan Price, and on a ship that is commanded by James Norrington, who goes on to have a 
very, very weird plot line later in the film, which we'll get to. It kind of made me kind of made me uncomfortable watching as a kid. <laughs> we'll get to it. But something that I will give the props to, because like they do give a lot of backstory to this world, like pirates and stuff, and they do it like multiple times in the film. The way they like give you background information, I really dig because they make it. It doesn't feel forced. Like it feels natural. It feels like it, it almost feels like like a fable. Like this movie's like telling you a story. Uh, yeah, but that, but that's something that I think later on in these films that hurts it is just because of the, the, the sheer length of running time for these films. You know what I mean? I feel yes. like some of these films get really, really too long, you know? Oh yeah. No, we'll get, we'll get to that in a few weeks, but <laughs> at this point, this is before they hit, they hit uh hour mark three. <laughs> and this is when they had, this is like when they, I'm, I'm personally a fan of the long run times because of the mythology of really? the stuff that they pack into it. Yeah. I, that's one of the reasons why I think, the fifth one suffers is because they make it too short. They they, uh. they don't give it the room to breathe and actually develop what they're trying to do. Um, but I think uh, I, I I love Kelly and Terry Rossio. They're two of my favorite writers. They've done a lot of my favorite things. Uh, they have a really great knack for making really fun and interesting worlds from Aladdin to the Road to El Dorado to Shrek. Like all these things that they made are are fantastic. And I think the the creme de la creme, if you will, of the worlds that they made and the characters they create are in Pirates of the Caribbean and the Curse of the Black. Which, by the way, we should, we should just touch on the fact that this is not true, but like it literally looks like Jonathan Price is wearing Dustin Hoffman's Dustin Hoffman's costume hook. It's like, ah, oh, we we're out of budget. What's the easiest thing to do? Just dust off that Dustin Hoffman hook, Captain Hook costume. <laughs> literally, like, you, like you look at it, yeah. you look at it, it's yeah, literally the same budget. thing. Uh, it does their budget for this film 140 million? Which was actually really, like really generous, especially in two, especially in two thousand four, or sorry two thousand two when this movie would have been made. Uh, so the the scene progresses when they when they find a boy in the water. This will be our other main character, William Turner. He just got off the flaming shipwreck, uh, wrecked by I don't know what, but he has this uh, doubloon or coin. I don't know what I don't know what's the terminology for it. He has a well, but either way, I'm marked as a pirate. So Elizabeth naturally jacks that shit. <laughs> It's like, oh, a gold coin. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep this. Uh, so she keeps that. She sees this ghost pirate ship, which you don't know, you don't know what it is. But we fast forward to, I believe, what eight years later. Go fact check me on that. Yeah. Eight, uh, yeah, eight, eight years later. Yeah, where we see that uh, Elizabeth is now played by Kira Knightley, who, fun fact, was actually 17 at the time this was filming. So uh, her mom actually had to be present on set at all times. Uh, She's only 17. <laughs> 17 now. Okay. Which, I mean, right. prop, props to her. Like, she's actually, like, for having to lead a movie this large at the age of 17, it has to be tricky for, like, any actor of any age will have a tough time with this. But to do it at so young, like, props to her. She's, like, she's really good in this movie. Well, keep in mind though, she was also the stunt double for uh, Padme and uh, Phantom Menace. Too, not, so not, she not, could not, handle the big. Not not the stunt double, but the 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 decoy. The decoy. The decoy. Yeah, that's what I meant. Anyway, Fam- famous stunt. messed up with that Antonio Banderas shirt. Antonio Banderas still still tripping you up. Uh, fa- famous stunt. All right, anyway, famous stunt woman. Famous stunt woman. Karen Knightley. Because they're assholes. Uh, no, but what I'm saying is she can handle the big, you know, the big stage. I mean, I think 
you know, when you're in a film with such huge pressure and so much riding on it, like right. Phantom Menace. But she, but she wasn't time, she I wasn't the lead. Four. She wasn't the lead in Phantom Menace. That's and so like I don't think there's that much. No, she was. I'm still saying she was. She's yeah, but she's still in a big production. I mean, at a young age. I mean, you figure why she's 13 at the time that she's doing that. So I mean, yeah, that math does, definitely that, that math does work of, out. I, I think maybe. And wasn't Ben wasn't Ben like Beckham? Was Ben like Beckham before or after this? Can't remember. Can't remember. Was O two or O four? Might have been O four. Uh, I think I want to say I, I want to say Ben like Beckham was O four. I think you, you uh, know well, that sounds that sounds right. Me, oh no, O two, O two. You before Beckham. this? Really? Yes. Okay. All right. Well. Ah, back to back to the film. After we finished debating Kieran Knightley's, you know, stunt abilities and, and filmography, back to the movie. Uh, oh, we see man. that uh, <laughs> William, the boy pulled out William Turner was has grown up into Orlando Bloom, which dude had a bomb two thousand three, and not not bomb as in like you know, failure. He had a great two thousand three between this and Return of the King, and also like really like oddly. Yeah. Oddly great business move on his part because he literally just wrapped one billion dollar franchise and signed on to another billion dollar franchise the same year. So, yeah, good for him. Good for him. Uh, and of course, you know they're they're the male and female lead, and they're both reasonable. I was about to say reasonably attractive. They're both very attractive. So, of course, they're they are in love with each other. But forget all that because we have to meet the scene stealer. Game stealer of the movie, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. Let's use this time to talk about just how great he is in this film. Because this, he was actually like a point of like a lot of, not controversy, but like a lot of, a lot of talk around him. Because like, uh, he was, this character was originally envisioned as a pirate version of uh, Burt Lancaster. In fact, they wanted to cast Matthew McConaughey because he looked so much like the actor. Uh, other actors considered were Christopher Walken, which, Especially like this movie, I, I kind of do want to see that cut, and also uh, Carrie Elwes, and like even when Eisner, who was CEO of Disney at the time, before he started screwing over everybody, uh, he saw this and he's like, he's ruining the film. <laughs> he was uh, someone that they didn't know he was going to work, but then uh, he came out and the public said, the public like astoundingly said, yes, like we love this character, uh, we love everything about him. Uh, I imagine that this is, I imagine this is a character that you you really vibe with, right? I absolutely love the character of Captain Jack Sparrow from the moment he comes into the first frame of this scene of this film, just riding the sail as the, as the dinghy just sinks and then landing on the dock and tells you everything you need to know about this character. And I, I, I defend him all the way through this original trilogy, even in the new two. Like, I don't think he's even that bad in the last one, but like, I think this character is just, so entertaining is so funny and also so likable while also being a total scoundrel and i think johnny depp plays it to perfection yeah to echo what you said like his, his intro literally some is one of my favorite intros in cinematic history so where it just sounds like everything you know about the character where it says like this big like epic shot but like he gets off the mast and he's on he literally he's all like you said he's on a dinghy <laughs> yeah it's perfect a dinghy that sinks, so like, yeah, he has no, he has no way to get off this island if, if he wants to leave. Uh, but yeah, Russell, what, 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 what do you have to say about uh, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow? I mean, he's just so iconic. I mean, you know, when you have that whole entire, you know, 
I mean, his career was kind of, you know, eh, I, I would say Rocky Urge because he was kind of like not mainstream. Well, yeah, it's, um, that, that's also he, like a big, a big issue like yeah. execs had with him because like at the time he was mostly known for smaller independent dramas. But I mean, the guy could still act. So I mean, it was one of these ones that he needed a franchise like this to like kind of catapult him back into to the mainstream. Um, and I think he knocks it out of the park. I mean, he's so iconic as Captain Jack Sparrow. Just kind of how we said at the beginning of the thing, he's riding, and then all you know the boat's sinking, and as as the boat's sinking, he just you know it just it perfectly you know goes to him walking on the uh, on the on the deck. It's perfect, and um, it's kind of just like one of those things how you you know how we were talking about it. it's just it's the the scoundrelness of his character. He can play both in this film, and I think that's what makes it so great. I think that's what obviously, in the end, garnered him a uh, Academy Award nomination for his very first, his very first Academy Award nomination. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's just very iconic. Um, kind of what Caleb made you know allude to about the first, the opening trilogy. The opening trilogy was good. And I think the the other two really fall flat um, there, and I just think because it, I, I think they were just running out of things to try to put in a in a film. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get to that for another day. But yeah, this film save that for upcoming weeks. Really, save that for upcoming weeks, really Russell. Like, uh... <laughs> but yeah, no, Depp Depp is Sparrow is just so iconic, though. Yeah, so uh, he's he so while he's there while uh, Commodore or sorry James Norrington, the guy from the earlier flashback, who has not aged a day in eight years, uh, is getting some kind of commendation. I don't know what I don't, I don't know what commendation he's getting. I don't know. Jack Sparrow knew <laughs> this is going on at the same time. I don't know how he would. It just so it just so happens to be there the day that the entire Royal Navy <laughs> is off doing something else. Yeah, we have no idea what it is. It's just some kind of. It's almost a, it's a promotion. That's that's what it is. He's, what it is? Some big. He yeah, is so being, it's a celebratory promotion, and yeah, I think I like how everybody's just coincidentally there at the same time. Yeah, he's he's been, he's been promoted to, I believe, Commodore Norrington, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Commodore. Yep. Meanwhile, Jack is there to try and steal one of the ships, encountering what I call bumbling idiot pair number one, who I guess I'm this this for Caleb. I don't know why these guys all reminded me of like like the British version of Drake and Josh. Like it's, it's a it's a weird thing. They are. Do. They are, aren't they? They are. They are the British versions of Drake and Josh, just just sitting there guarding the ship. I believe their names are, if I'm not mistaken, Scrum and Murtaugh. You're probably right. Murtaugh. That's that sounds that sounds right to me. So yeah, he is there to yeah. they, he's there to jack the ship, which I think against these guys probably wouldn't have been too hard. However, at the same time. Uh, I almost called her Padme for a second. Um, Elizabeth. See? See? <laughs> you should be able to, be able to Star Wars. Should be able to Star Wars. Uh, there you go. Oh boy, good. She's, she's already having this problem with this corset. So, you know, now seems like the good time to go stand near a ledge. Uh, while Commodore, Nor- Commodore Norrington decides he wants you this opportunity to, to propose, which always kind of gave me a little, little bit of a, huh? Because isn't he, like, significantly older than her? Which I know it's a different time and all, but this is always I, I, a weird thing with me. I did see like the Roman Polanski Woody Allen vibes for sure. Which funny enough, yeah, she, she she doesn't look a few Woody Allen movies. Uh, wait, no. Was, there she, we have, was she in Match Point? Yeah, she was, wasn't she? 
Scarlett Joe was a match Scarlett point. Match point which I don't think she's ever in a Woody Allen movie, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, regardless, whether or not, whether or not she like was in... Would be she seemed like she would. No, whether or not she was in a Woody Allen movie, what she does do is fall over, is fall over the ledge. <laughs> she just so happens to fall in the one spot there are no rocks. So, thank God. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she cracks her head and ends the movie. <laughs> oh God, she's dead. <laughs> Franchise over. Hemorrhaging on the rock. <laughs> oh well, franchise over. Oh God. Oh, uh, but anyway, so she's uh, gonna be a vegetable now. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gotta pull the plug. Uh, like like on this franchise. So, anyways. Uh, she falls into the water, and of course, these two Royal Navy guys can't swim, which leaves none other than Pirate Jack Sparrow to go in and save her. But we also see, like, this as soon as she falls in the water, this, like, giant pulsation. The giant pulsation goes out. You don't know what it is, but Jack Sparrow goes in, saves her. Uh, and re- regardless of what, okay, first of all, let me say. Regardless of what or not, like they know who he is. They don't know who he is, but like Gavin Swan just like, oh my god, you said my daughter, shoot him, shoot him now. It's <laughs> like, well, thanks, dick. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, Kill you're, him. You're welcome for saving your daughter, asshole. <laughs> but, Seriously, like, yeah. the dude saved your daughter. I, over to kill him now. Yeah, just like. And then Dumb would come over like, well, well, thank you, sir. And then he like he lifts he lifts this thing and like you see like the branded P. Which I don't know what town he got this in because what, in what town is piracy only a brandable offense? Shouldn't this be shouldn't these dead sentence like worldwide? I don't, I don't know that that that's just, just me. Uh, fun fact, just the backstory on that: that brand was given to him by Beckett before Beckett became a lord. That's right, just a trading company. That's and right. That's like, I remember that. That was a backstory thing from pre-movies. Like, there's so that's there's a lot of lore that you have to unpack over this trilogy that, like, I just love. So we might we might bring you on for these the, the other installments, or at least the third one. Just, just we, might, we might we might bring you back. But anyway, the third so. one is the third one is criminally underrated. Just saying. Again, we'll, we'll, let me, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about bringing anyway. you back later. But anyways, so we find out that he is a he's a pirate. And he's also one that's also we also get the vibe he's not one that's taken very seriously. Because like, yeah, he uh he has this compass that doesn't point north, which something becomes weirdly and becomes like very important later in the movie later in the film that we'll touch on when we get there. Uh but uh we this is we use this point to launch into something that becomes like a regular in this franchise. A Oh, we also find. I'm oh, sorry. I should mention. We also he also has a pistol that has one shot. It's also very important in this movie. This movie is particular. Um, we get into what is one of the recurring things in this franchise: impractical escapes. Although, given his escapes later in this franchise, this one seems almost doable. Almost. But I will say, just the way <laughs> the staging and the choreography of this of this escape, and not to mention one of like. One of like the iconic lines is like, "You remember this day? It's the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow." And then he, and then he just goes off into like this like giant like whippy, and no, it's not called a whippy thing, but like it's a, it's a whippy thing, <laughs> and he launches into like this giant escape routine, and it is, it's it's insane. This it establishes something about Captain Jack Sparrow's character that I always liked, especially in his early films, like. It always establishes that he is the smartest person in the room. He's not the smartest person in the room. He is always the most clever. Which is crazy because he doesn't come off like that when you see he him on the screen. You know what I mean? He, 
he's almost like uh, like a dunce, like like a, they're always aloof. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see that he is the type of person that can really, when the stacks are you know when the odds are against him, can kind of just escape any situation. And I think it's kind of fan, you know fascinating how he always is in a situation, but he always finds a way to get out. Yeah, I mean, and uh, it also helps these Royal Navy guys have the aim of stormtroopers because no matter how close they are to him, no yeah. matter how far, no matter how fast or how slow he's moving, I mean, they can't seem to hit the guy. But he's not even like moving like in like going back and forth. He's like moving straight. Like he'd be an easy target for anybody. No, nah, but I mean, the the British Royal Navy can't swim, can't shoot. God save the Queen. Uh, so in so in running away, he he enters a blacksmith shop, which just so happens to be the place where William Turner works. What are the odds? Uh, and so uh, William, William comes back, and they have uh, they have themselves they have themselves a duel, a sword fight. Uh, which yeah, these, these again another thing that I can say about this. Oh, this franchise. Well, this franchise, but this movie in particular, like the action of this movie is actually like really creative. Like swashbuckling action like this, especially like at this time, wasn't really like super common. So to have people come in and be like this and put together action sequences like this, creative and this well staged, it's actually it's it's really impressive. Yeah, I, like I I love the choreographs of the fight scenes. Like I I think that's one of the strong suits of this. Um, along with, I love the score uh, of, of the oh, film, this, this, too. The score. Give kudos to the score, too. It's fantastic. Done by Mr. One uh, of the best scores of all time. Done by, ooh, I'm not going to, I don't know if I'll go that far, but it's definitely one of the most, uh, one, one of, like, the most, like, listenable. Cause done by uh, Klaus Ballot did the first one, right? Yeah, Klaus Ballot does the first one, but Zimmer wrote the theme. Yeah, he, wrote, uh, yeah, he, wrote, the movie. Yeah, he collaborated yeah. on, like, the theme, but Klaus Ballot did the rest of the music, but... Yeah, the, the score is great, and uh, you know, Caleb, you haven't gotten talking much about the escapes or you know the action of all of it. So, what what, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I just I think overall, all the action is actually really well shot and directed. Like it's interesting. Like it's 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 not like a regular pirate escape where it's like oh, in like Cutthroat Island, we take a pistol, we shoot someone, we run, sort of thing. It's he is in handcuffs, picked up, and launched across the town to get away. And then you get, like, a really well-choreographed sword fight with Will. Like, there's so many different, like, action sequences in just that beginning segment alone that, like, sim- say, hey, this is going to be an action movie, but it's going to be an action movie you haven't seen before. Um, and and the music by Klaus Bell just kind of captures the total vibe and spirit of the movie in this just big, like, jovial way where it's, like, it's it's... It's kind of fun to live in this world. It's very fun to live in this world and watch these people, but it's also terrifying at times. Now, two things. One, it is the first. Russell, I think it's the first reference we've had to Cutthroat Island on this show. So, thank you for that, Caleb. That, yeah. So, kudos to you. Uh, that's <laughs> something we we absolutely will check out. I, I'm sure. I I don't doubt that we'll check that out sure. at a later point. Sure, we will. But the second of all, is it Klaus Bedelt? Is that how it's pronounced? I've always said Klaus Bedelt. I don't know. I've never seen an interview where they say his name otherwise or anything. But like, so it, it's it's not it's I, not it's not, it, it, it's not it's not Badlet. Because if 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 it, if it is, then oh it, oh it is it is Bedelt. I've been pronouncing the name wrong this entire time. Good good thing I realized that now, so I don't like fuck it up in a trivia Save, match at some point. Saved you a point, the showdown. Yeah, buddy. you say you say you me a point. You save me a, you save me a wrong answer. That's thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> But I can tell you for sure it's not Antonio Banderas. It is not <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> 
or or Hillary Duff or Hillary or Duff. Kiera Knightley, aka stunt woman, aka stunt woman Kiera Knightley. None of none of them did none of them did the score for this film. Uh, so but we should note that she is Domino Harvey, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, uh, they continue this fight, and the Royal Navy catches up to them. Uh, but he he, wa- he wants to make an escape, but in the Williamson way, he's just like, move, please move. He's about to shoot me, just like, this shot is not meant for you. And that's when we get like this whole, then we get like this whole like air of a backstory. We're just like, ooh, that's that's like very intriguing. Uh, but, this, but just so at that moment, the guy who runs the blacksmith shop wakes up, cracks him on the head with the bottle, and then he's out cold, and Jack Burr gets arrested. And which, by the way, we never see that guy again. He never comes back. <laughs> All these franchise, they never bring back the blacksmith, whose name I'm not. They just. Do you know his name, Caleb? Uh, Mr. Smithy. Mr. Smithy. Eric never comes back. No, it's, it's uh, Brown. Brown? That's Brown. I, no, what I, it is Brown, but what I'm thinking of is the scene where Jack calls him Smithy. Oh, Smithy. And he like, yes. walks, yeah. he walks and goes, Smithy. Hi! And like screams at him while he's trying to wake him up. That's what I was thinking. Right. Okay. Oh uh, yes. yeah, because I, I have Brown on my notes. Yeah. So Brown. Okay. Then yeah, Brown. That's he, definitely right. Like, but he, regardless, regardless of what his name is, he never comes back in this entire franchise. We, we're just gonna assume he's dead. Uh, so we go he, on. He to, needed to knock. He needed to knock Sparrow out. That that was his whole that's, thing. That's that his was whole his big his whole arc. Okay, now now he is useless to the plot. And now I can. You don't have to bring him back I can anymore. Fade away. Fade away. <laughs> uh, but anyways. Uh, we cut to the jail. We see that uh, another running gag in this film: the prison cells, the prison mates trying to get this dog to give him the keys. Again, something that becomes on like it becomes like weirdly important as these movies go on for no reason at all. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, but uh, that night, a mysterious ship comes into comes into the uh, the bay, and that is the titular Black Pearl. Which Jack Sparrow recognized because the cannon, because I guess no other cannons of any ship in the world sound like the Black Pearl's cannons, <laughs> uh, because he kn- he knows that ship that well. We also forgot to mention that early in this movie, when he's dealing with uh, with uh, East India Drake and Josh, they get like the way they talk about the backstory of the ship. We're just like it's got black sails, it's crewed by the damned, and captained by a man so evil, hell spat him back out. Like it's. Like they really do a great job of building the anticipation of seeing this ship, and honestly, the entrance of it and this whole sequence it basically lives up to everything you would assume this ship w- were to be. Like it comes in, it's bl- it's bl- it's blowing like shit's blowing up, streets blowing up, like trees are blowing up. Like it's 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 causing like a lot. It's causing a lot of a lot of havoc across this town, and William decides, you know what? Now's my time. I'm going to be Batman, and I'm going to go save the city. <laughs> uh, again, it's like all of the, and a lot of the credit, like, uh, another like bit of credit, like a lot of these like Pirates of the Black Pearl, like they have, like just on the way they look, they have a lot of personality. Like just based on the way their character design, like a lot of like the costume design of this film is, the costume makeup and hair for this film, absolutely fantastic. Because like it really helps you distinguish these pirates from one another. Like they there's ha- they have one that I like to call like uh, uh, dreadlocks bomb pirate. <laughs> you know, I can't know what I'm talking about. The, yeah, the one that's... dreadlocks bomb pirate does not have an official canon name, but he is one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, he he comes out William like like he fucking like black ops like tomahawks him in the back, which 
is kind of odd that he just kind of like laid down dead. I don't know why he did that for the audience. I don't know because we've later find out that that had no effect on him. Because they also destroy they also destroy the gallows, which means Jack Sparrow cannot be hung tomorrow. So you got a little say. He got a little say of execution. So you're welcome, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> we've uh, uh, the it also blows a hole in the prison. I think they but did that on purpose. On the did that on purpose? You think so? I think I think part of me, knowing like the pirates and like the pirates sort of way, I think they blow up the gallows sort of on purpose as sort of a like no pirate dies tomorrow. You know what? You, 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 you might be right. Thing. Is is that is that a part of the code? It could be. We don't know. <laughs> they do. They do I have mean, the, a. Go ahead. We know the codes are more like guidelines, really, than actual rules. That's true. So they, they don't have to. They don't have to follow it. But a bunch of pirates break into uh, Kira Knightley's house because. It's, it's speculated because she's the governor's daughter. She seems like a someone they would want to want to kidnap, as, as you would. But she ha- she hides in a closet because she saw every horror movie ever. It's always seems like a good place to hide. But they find her, and then she calls for parlay, which parlay basically means they gotta take her to the ship. You gotta take me ship's captain. We gotta negotiate and stuff like that. Because yeah, for being pirates, they like like we said of just now for being pirates they actually have a surprising amount of actual rules to them although like 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 caleb said they are more like guidelines we also get our first encounter with bumbling idiot parent number two this one there this one they're pirates pintel and rigetti i know these two's names uh so yeah they take um i love these guys oh they, yeah they're they are they are actually like really funny so uh they uh, take her to their pirate captain Barbosa. Oh, also, we, should, we should also mention that uh, during this whole scene, a wall is blown in the prison cell, but it so happens to be the wall right next to Jack Sparrow. It's, it's the cell right next to them, so he can't get out. But we do find out that Jack. This is where we find out that Jack Sparrow has a history with the Black Pearl because two of the pirate crew members come in, and they and they recognize him, and they say like, "There's a special place in hell for people like you." And he reaches in, grabs him, and they see like a skull. His hand turns into like a skeleton hand, which, like, props to, like the effects problem. Like, uh, we'll we'll touch on like why and how late in the film. But, like, the effects they use to make these pirates look like skeletons, like they, it's actually like a really like really impressive effect. I'm sure I'm sure it was very difficult to make. True. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that that but it just looks so natural too. It doesn't look fake. I think is the it does. kudos we can give to them for that. But like, I mean, it doesn't always look convincing. I mean, we'll talk about the pirates, uh, the the skull effects later. But they take him to they take him to the ship with someone who will become a highlight of this movie and this franchise. Uh, Jeffrey Rush as Captain Barbosa, dude. As much as as much as Johnny Depp was born to play a pirate. You could say the same thing about Jeffrey Rush, because he is having—he looks like he is having the time of his life making this movie. And he is—he fits so well. True, I, I think I think Jeffrey Rush is—I mean—the second best villain of the franchise. But I think he's incredible and one of the best characters in this franchise for sure. Because it was just Rush's performance, the way he brings this terrifying maniacal just almost a manic personality to life is is excellent just the little nervous ticks the way he strokes his beard when he's uh when he knows he's in a in a in a corner when he bites the apple when he knows he's winning like it's a lot of weird like 
so subtle things that Rush does in this performance that makes his character just all the more real. Yeah, so uh, we, so we see that he and the captain, the captain is Black Pearl, and they came here. Bec- they came here for one reason. They came here for one coin, <laughs> which on paper makes them look like the, makes them look like the worst pirates on the planet. True, uh, all that work for one little thing. One little coin. We we destroyed we destroyed the fuck out of this town for one coin. <laughs> that's that's how badass we are. So. Yeah, we find out this coin is very important to them. And if I, and he's just like, what's your name? Elizabeth Turner, which of all the names she could she could have picked, all the names she could have given these pirate dudes, she just so happens to pick the one name of the one guy they needed for this coin thing to work. What, a, what are the odds? Man, that's so coincidental, man. So coincidental. I mean... You have to like some dramatic convention with this movie. Like it, you got to put a little bit away of it no, away and just live in the world that we're in. Again, we um, we, t- we take but, our shots, yeah. but yeah. So no, I understand. I, just, I understand. It's it's a one in a million shot. Yeah, and it just it, she made it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, they decide to keep her. Which oh no, it's against the pirate guidelines. Okay, but they're like no. Uh, terms of, terms of return were not part of our parlay, and therefore we're not breaking it. And also. Like like Caleb said, these are more like they're not so much rules; they're more like guidelines. Uh, so uh, we cut to the next day where we see like the aftermath of the town. Which I mean, look, I'll say this: the pirates destroyed less. The pirates destroyed less this town than Superman of Metropolis and Man of Steel. <laughs> they caused way less damage to this place than Superman ever did. Uh, How did I know we were gonna make a uh, Man of Steel <laughs> comment? Every time. How did I know? Every time like, destruction happens. Wait for it. Wait for it. Ah, there Wait it is. For it. There it is. Uh, so William wants to go and mount the rescue mission, but you know, dipl- diplomacy and unorthodox, they can't they can't go do it. So he breaks out the one guy who could he goes to see the one guy who possibly could help him with this, Captain Jack Sparrow. Who has I'm not sure Caleb, but h- how did he know to go to Jack Sparrow? Do you know? Um Oh, hold on. Repeat the question for me. Did, I'm not sure I'm following. Had, like, he went like after after failing to get uh, the government to do anything. Why did he go to Jack Sparrow? Did he, did he know that he was on? That he was Captain of the Pearl, or how did he know that? I, that I think I think he knows Jack because he like met Jack. Like oh, the, and, Lexus, you know that, what? Like, and also, I was just like, re- I was just realized because like he probably has some knowledge of pirate stuff that it's probably that's probably right the safe way because it's the only pirate. He goes to the only pirate you know is who just happens to be locked up in the in the brig. Fair enough. Okay, so, so yeah, all right, that, 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 that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, he he bra- he breaks him out of jail and they decide to go and chase and chase after this chase after this ship. Uh, so in order to commandeer his ship, they. <laughs> they take a boat underwater and have enough strength to keep it down there with a pocket of air. I'm like he he must have he must have the strength. Like speaking of Superman, he must have his strength because you know how hard it is to pull a boat underwater with a, with an air pocket. It takes a lot of strength to do that. It's true. So uh, yeah. They get on, I believe it is the HMS Dauntless is the ship they board initially. They initially board the Dauntless, the Dauntless. and then they move to the Interceptor. Yeah, so they board the, they board the Dauntless. They take that ship, kick out the entire crew. I'm not exactly sure quite how. Because, well, no, they actually do say how because, because, because I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Savvy? 
so they they jack the Dauntless. They send the inter- they send the interceptor after them, which it is established. The interceptor is the fastest ship in the Royal Navy. Uh, so the interceptor catches up to the Dauntless. They all jump off to the ship, which I guess is standard naval procedures. When you want to take a ship back, you send everybody. Lessons I think Nolan took when we decided to make Dark Knight Rises. When you want to catch Bane, you send every single cop into the sewer, goddammit. You're going to do it. True. Uh, which I also do like love, love the guy who like swung and missed missed the boat. It's like you had no shot of making that, and you know before you swung. You just you just want you just want to take a dip, lazy ass. So uh, yeah, they they jack they jack the interceptor and they decide to sail to Tortuga, which I guess is like the the pirate hub of the planet. I don't know. We also find out some. This is where we find out. Some I think we should just what? put. I was just going to say, this is where we should probably make a little note that um, uh, Sparrow talks to Will about yeah, him what, knowing Will's dad. That's what I was going to talk about. We found, we found out okay. his name was okay. William Turner. You realize that he is the son of Bill Turner, a.k.a. Bootstrap Bill Turner, who was also a pirate. And it's, it's kind of like, it, it is kind of like Luke Skywalker with, with with Anakin Skywalker. He didn't know like the full extent of what his dad is because... I mean, let's face it. How do you how do you tell your son that your your how do you tell a kid that his father is the most evil person in the galaxy, or how do you tell uh, how do you tell a guy that his father is, is a he commits the worst crime at the time, which is piracy? So he's just like your dad. I knew your dad. He was William Turner, which I guess in a weird way kind of makes him the Obi Wan Kenobi of this movie. If you really look at it, kind of yeah, yeah. Which I, I will I will also touch on the fact that. You know, we said earlier that Johnny Depp was nominated for uh he was nominated for best actor in this movie. But if you if you really look at this movie like in the grand scope of this film, he's not the lead. Like he he is a big part of the movie, but he's not the lead. It's it's kind of William Turner and Elizabeth's story. He he's really he's more of a supporting right. character. And honestly, like, if he were in best supporting actor, he might have won the Oscar that year. A hundred percent, and I think like that's 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 a criticism people have made is that the moment that you take Will and Elizabeth and those central characters and take Jack into the leading position, the movies sort of go down because too much of a good thing. I think the trilogy all kind of works because they balance the three story arcs. But when you get like a hundred percent, when you get to four, like and you make it all Jack, that movie yeah. kind of falls apart. Also because right. they didn't have a good story to support it. Well, because. Because the three of them are so, like, they're a well-oiled machine. You need their stories to all kind of interweave perfectly together. You know what I mean? Well, right. When you make it fo- focus on straight Jack Sparrow, that's where I think that's not a strength because it's never, like, we're not used to that from the first three films. It's always about their, all their journeys together. You know what I mean? Well, it also right. kind of they also kind of offset Jack's, you know, uh, uh, not flamboyant, but kind of like a bombastic type nature. But anyways, we get to, we get to Tortuga, which is... Very well could be the same set as the as the previous town, but you'd never know it because they make this much like we talked about last week with uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, making like different castles feel like completely different locations. Like this town, like this, this feels like a very like lived in town. You understand this is a town where like a lot of crime, like it's it basically kind of like the purge all the time. Like all crime is legal, all, every crime is legal all the time. And we meet someone we saw in the opening. Yeah. Uh, Yo Yosami Gibbs. What's 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 this person? Joshmi Gibbs. Josh Joshmi Gibbs. Yosami. 
Oh, boy. Uh, Josh Me Gibbs, who is someone who knew Jack from his former pirate days. And he's just like, okay, look. And he's the guy who pretty much going to like help him get the crew. Do all this, which he doesn't want to do until he finds out that he is, that William is uh, Bootstrap's son. So yeah, they they get the so they get the crew together uh, the next day, and this is where we meet like these guys who would become uh, these guys who would become major parts of this, tri- of this series going forward. Uh, you know, mainly Mr. Mr. Cotton, Marty, actually just those two, because the rest of these guys don't come back, including a very young Zoe Saldana. Not, not like very young, but like Zoe Saldana before she was Zoe Saldana. Like it, it is, it is like weird to see it's, it's a good deal of time before she became the the actress Zoe Saldana that we recognize. Yeah, yeah. Un- until she beca- sure. until she became the face of modern a modern sci fi. Like, True. Yeah. Like honestly, I, honestly, like after she got like super big, I don't know, I don't know why they didn't bring her back. Like at, at least for like at least for like a cameo, because like she like, honestly, like, you, you hear like Zoe Saldana coming back to a Pirates movie, pe- people would people would show up. I guarantee people would show up. You're not wrong, uh, but anyway, cut back to Elizabeth back on back on the Pearl. Uh, we see that she is having dinner with the captain, and they they got this they got this like elaborate spread. They got like turkey legs, they got rolls, they got a suckling pig, which is really funny. They co- they collected all this stuff because it's we find out in like a few seconds that it's it's really to no end. But I digress. It is like, like, like she assumes that it's poison because, because why? Why would they trying to get him to eat all this stuff? But nevertheless, like they try to, we find out that this coin they have it's Spanish gold. There was, I believe, eight hundred, eight hundred eighty-two pieces, something like that. So somewhere around the eight hundreds. Point, point is, is six fifty-eight, I believe. Six fifty-eight. Where did I get eight hundred? I've been asked. I've been asked this trivia question in two different matches. Did you miss it twice? And I got it wrong the first time, and I would never forget it the second time. 652? Caleb's bringing out his inner Ben Affleck, uh, the accountant over here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna, it, so, so he's going so to make the McDonald's movie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Full circle. He? Oh, it is, uh, it is, eight, yeah, it is 882. <laughs> I was right. It is 882. So suck on that, Caleb. 882, that's what it is. 882. I knew there was an 8 in there. <laughs> you said 650. You said 652. <laughs> okay, regardless. So, regardless, there, there was a chest full of 880 pieces of this piece, of this gold. They took it, they spent all of it, but as a result, they were cursed. So, basically, like, they can't enjoy, they can't enjoy all the things that they, I mean, they're immortal now. But they can't enjoy. They can't enjoy anything. Like food turns to ash. They can't. They don't find pleasure in literally anything. And we see that in the moonlight, it's revealed that they are. They are all like skeleton ghost pirates. Which, yeah, we'll touch on the touch on this again. We kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but I mean, the CGI effects for the most part, they're pretty good. They're not always convincing, but like a philosophy for my for me is like CGI always doesn't always have to look real. But like it has to look, it has to at least look like stylistic. It has to at least look like at least at least look cool. And I think like these are these are some like really like cool, interesting designs for these skeletons. I don't I don't know if uh, Caleb Caleb, do you agree? I I agree. Um, and I love I love the ghost pirate aspect, which is ripped directly out of the original pre piratized Pirates of the Caribbean Disney ride. 
um, which it is was. an entire like the original the original story of the ride was literally just a trip through the Caribbean where you saw a bunch of ghost pirates and then pirates who are just partying in a village that later would become Tortuga and they'd add Jack Sparrow and Barbosa and all the characters to it later. But like um, the whole ghost pirate aspect of skeleton pirates on on rainy ships and all this stuff is like the majority of the first half of the pirates ride so like putting them in there that feels very true to the spirit of what they were trying to uh, adapt uh without actually really adapting anything uh but yeah i love the aspect of ghost pirates i think it's super fun and not to mention they do have this like whole being a disneyland they do have this like this like whole disneyland like choreographed dance routine which makes me think how many times they kidnapped somebody and done this because this is, this is ungodly elaborate. This does, you don't just do this on one try. <laughs> this takes practice. Right. This takes work. Uh, I sure. also, I, I do love the reveal of, I do love the reveal of Jeffrey Rush's uh, ghost ghostly look, because like like you see him, he's oh, got like all like the ashy look, and then he like he like pops the cork on that bottle and drinks the drinks the wine, and just like you see it like go straight down. It's like a really really creepy type look and I my do... favorite line in the movie is this one with the you best start believing in ghost stories Miss Turner yeah. you're in one is one of my favorite yes. line deliveries in this entire movie it is that, that's, that's, that's so my it favorite it is probably one of my favorite too that is my favorite uh, Barbosa line in this movie my favorite, my favorite line comes uh, towards the end of the film but we'll, we'll touch on that when we get there uh, so yeah uh, after that they uh, start to they start to sail they start. They start to sail towards. Uh, this is the Isla de Muerte. That's the that's the island where this pirate treasure is, right? Is it? Yeah. Okay, making okay, just making sure. So uh, they they set a course. They see that like they see like Jack knows the way to go. Even though this conversation doesn't point north, we we don't find out what it points to until the next move. But it, we find out that it knows the way to go. So uh, the Black Pearl gets there. They go into. The Black Pearl and uh, Jack's crew get there at the same time, and this is where we get the this is where we get the backstory on Jack's Barry. So we find out that uh, the reason he's so obsessed with the Pearl is the fact that he at one point was the captain of it. Uh, he was the captain until he was marooned by his first mate, being Barbosa. And when the pirate is marooned, I, I do love the way the backstory is done. When a pirate is marooned, they're given one, a pistol with a single shot, in case they you know want to, you know, after a few days that bullet looks really good. So uh, he so he gets marooned, but he doesn't he 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 doesn't he doesn't die. He uh, Caleb, another question for you: uh, Is it is it ever said how much? I know how long he was actually on there. Is it ever said how long people believe he was on that island? Uh, I don't know how I don't know if anyone ever says like I I think Gibbs might have said like he was on that island for weeks or something like that or like days I, I think, or it gives like a weird number i think but you're i don't right. i don't remember off the top of my head okay here we go this, they like according to the according to the legend he was on there to he was on there for a certain amount of time standing in the shallows waiting i think it's three days three days okay so 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 that so that, that is that that part of the story is correct so he was there for a few he was there there for a few days and gathered a bunch of sea turtles tied them together and made and made a raft which, I mean, look, with human it, hair. With, 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 it's like it, it's just like made a raft out of sea turtles. Sea turtles, yes, sea turtles. What you what do you use for a rope? He's, 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 he's standing behind. Me, he's like human hair from my back. Human. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, this this is how the whole like legend of Jack of Jack Sparrow 
the guy who could not be killed. That's that that's how that's how it happened. So anyway, we go we go towards the inside of of the uh, I guess the, what we call the treasure room, to where we see that they're about to do this whole thing. So the whole you have to in order to lift the curse, you have to spill your blood and drop and drop your coin. Or sorry, your coin dropped with a drop of your blood. That that's basically how the curse is lifted. Coins and blood. That's all you need to know. So uh, they position her way. It makes you think they're going to cut her throats, but they don't do that. They just cut her on the hand, drop the coin in, and just like, anything happened yet? No. <laughs> I do love. I do love like the test method because just like, how do we know if it worked or not? And like Barbosa just shoots. Is it Pintel? That's Pintel, right? It, Pintel, yeah. Yeah, he shoots him. He's just like, you're not dead. No. Wait, he <laughs> shot me. <laughs> Well, he shot me. It didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's where they realize, like, ah, shit, we well, we screwed up. Like, are you are you the son? Are you like, like you said last name was Turner? Are you his daughter? It's like, yeah, uh, they, yeah, they they didn't think to ask this question before they left the bay. <laughs> After they captured her, just like, yeah, she she could have married into the family. She could have been she could have been another Turner. Nope, they just like Turner. Well, good enough. Let's go. Yeah, poor, poor planning on their part. Poor planning. Uh, so anyway, uh, they w- William William Turner finds her because uh, Barbosa knocks her out and sends her like down like this, down like a little hill, to where like William like kidnaps her, and uh, right after knocking Captain Dexter. By the way, they escape, but Sparrow is left behind, and that's where that's when he invokes parlay, which. Again, these pirates, I don't know why they have so many rules when they, when they hate when people invoke them. We're just like, parlay, 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 that's it. And Pintel's like really pissed. He's like, parsnip, parsley, pars. It's like one of my favorite scenes is Jack trying to come up with what the word parlay is. He's <laughs> just like, I, I care so, care so made the word parlay. Like, that'd be the French. So then he just, so, uh, then we goes like, how did you get, how'd you get off? How did you get off that rock? And he's like, when you marooned me on that godforsaken island, you forgot one thing. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. And this is where we kind of see more of Jack's true-ish color because he is he is playing these guys too, but he's in it for himself. He's just like the girl's blood didn't work, did it? Of course it didn't, because I know who I know whose blood will work. So that's why he leads him to the interceptor and he leads him to uh he leads him to uh the person whose blood will ultimately lift this curse, uh, Wills. So we get the first of we get, we get the first of our actually not the first we get the ship fight of this movie which this is a again a very different kind of action than we've seen so far and so far and just in movies in general at this point and I'm surprised just how exciting they're able to keep this action just because it's it's on two boats we saw an action movie completely fail at this I'm talking about Speed Two Cruise Control. Completely fail at trying to make an action movie on a boat, or an action, even an action sequence on a boat, remotely exciting. But these guys, they they knew how to do it. Why? You had some fucking cannons to that shit. <laughs> and, and yeah, so like, what what do you guys think of the of the uh, ship fights in this movie? It's not, it's not you know it's not Star Wars or anything, but for pirate ships, I think they did pretty well. No, but I. 
I think it's really it's it's goes back to why I love the the first trilogy is each movie has its own distinct fun brand of action that makes you completely engrossed into the world of pirates. Like of course you're going to have ship battles and having people swinging between ships, close range cannon fire and the way that they film it all. I think Gore Verbinski needs a lot of credit for the way that he directs this action. Um, and and decides to to frame it in the film and how to use it and when to use it and to save a ship fight for middle towards the second like the basically the second act fight is a ship battle is awesome which and like yeah yeah I, I will say and I, I wish I will credit like the way he is this this actually is shot and it's sh- the way it's shot and edited you always know where you are at any game it's kind of like uh, the end fight at end game like yeah it's a lot going on. But you always know where you are at any given moment. You know, like where we you know where everything is. You know, like the exact scope of this whole battle. I think, like I said, Gorbinski did a very impressive job with this one. Absolutely, and and he kind of he keeps build, expanding on it as we get to future movies and like upping it, but still never losing sight of what makes those battles fun. Which is why I think the moment that Gore leaves is when the action gets almost too crazy or too dumb, and they like uh, that's why ship fights don't actually work when he leaves. But like, I think this movie keeps it simple but entertaining and visually interesting. You also get, but they also doesn't, doesn't lose lose sense of fun because they when trying to outrun. The Black Pearl. They um, they unloaded all their ammo because why would you need that at any point in this movie? So they just like load the cannons with anything they have left. It's all silverware. <laughs> it's like silverware, candlesticks, uh, Gibbs's flask, which I mean still does a fair amount of damage. <laughs> As you can see, it's still blowing. It's still blowing holes. It's still blowing like five foot holes in the Black Pearl. So it's still doing pretty well for themselves. So. Which comes uh, with one of my favorite lines during the sequence: "Stop blowing holes in me ships." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that one too. So, yeah, they have. So yeah, cannons are firing. Uh, pirates are board. Pirates are board each ship. It's really yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff to handle. And, and yeah, again, Gorbinsky handles it very well. So, but of course, because the Black Pearl, the interceptor loses. It sunks. It blows up, and William Turner because his main character and because he can swim faster than Michael fucking Phelps, he manages to swim away from the wreckage of the, of the interceptor all the way to the black Pearl to, to say like, Hey, guess what, bitch? I'm still alive. And you got to let go Elizabeth and, and the rest of the crew. <laughs> and so just, and so Rose is like, okay, they, you know what they really need in this, in this franchise? They need a pirate lawyer because a pirate lawyer would advise them not to make these deals without fully like flushing them out because it's just like, they take him to the same island that Jack Maroon to the last time, and that's where they release Elizabeth and Jack. They're just like, oh, yeah, I said, you said to release her. You didn't say where or when. So by, <laughs> by, by the law of what you told us, we're following our word. So there, so there, so there you go. And you know, he also got a question, bro. I mean, you already marooned Jack on this island one time. You, you, you really want to really chance that again? Why not try a different island? Right, like he's already he's he's escaped Rum Runner's Isle once already. Why are we doing this again? Why why would why would you even chance it a second time? But regardless, he does it. Uh, so and this and like you said, this is where we find out the secret to his escape. So we find out that Rum Runners used to use this island as a cache, but and he managed to barter pass with them off of the island back to, I'm I'm assuming back to Port Royal or, or wherever the hell Port Royal is the name of the island where, uh, the well you know, actually, there is. 
I'll give you the backstory lore that's never on screen. Oh, he yes. uses it to get passage to Shipwreck Cove, oh. where he, which is where he meets Scarlet and everyone, and he's supposed to get married, which is actually filmed in a short called uh, Wedlocked, uh, which is on the bonus features for All Stranger Tides, and it, the short ends with Jack and landing in Port Royal because he fled Shipwreck Cove. Ah, because I, I, so. I, I knew I knew bringing you on was a good idea because you can you can give us these you can give us these backstories that we didn't know. Uh, so yeah, so uh, they decide to uh, you know just ha- just hang out, party, and just you know just 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 have just just have a grand old time because they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So yeah, they 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 have a, have a good night. They have a bonfire. They get drunk, or at least one of them does. Uh, they wake up the next. Sparrow wakes up the next day and see that uh, leads to again the classic line of the film that she had burned all the food, the shade, the rum. It's like why is the why is the rum gone? <laughs> um, which makes this the second movie from the early, second Orlando Bloom movie from the early two thousands to get memed to death on the internet by making it a song. Because <laughs> this is this one and the Hobbits are coming to Isengard, <laughs> or the Hobbits are, oh, they're the taking, Hobbits them. are going to Isengard. They're taking yeah. the Hobbits to Isengard. That's the that's the other one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she basically uses all the rum to start a giant signal fire to signal the Royal Navy that that's where they're there, or that that's where they are. I do love like the reaction where like Jack Bird, little, he's literally about to like pull like a Lenny from Vice Men, like shoot her in the back of the head. <laughs> so, uh, but the signal fire works, and the Royal Navy finds her. And once again, they're debating what to do with Jack Sparrow, whether to shoot him on sight or hang him. They decide to use his help to find uh, Ila de Muerta and to uh, and to go and ultimately you know, stop this, these pirates once and for all. And then he'll be hanged. Because that's the pun- that's the reward you get. Uh, we also at, at, after this we cut back to the Black Pearl. We find out what really happened to Will's father. You see, he was also part of Jack's crew, but he was the only one who was he was the only one who was on Jack's side uh, during the whole mutiny thing. And as a result of that, they strapped him to a cannon and pushed him to the bottom of the ocean. Which, of all the things done or all the things seen or done in this movie or heard about. That to me sounds like the most pirate thing that could have possibly happened. It's, it's. I think it shows you that it's supposed to show you the dastardliness of Barbosa and them, and how cruel these pirates are, and remind you that they are bad people. That the pirates are not really good people. Yeah, and they kind of they do lose sight of them in the sequels, but like they they drowned a man by strapping him to a cannon and dropping him, and that's the most gruesome way anyone dies in this entire franchise. And we don't and see they, it. They don't show it, and I love that. That you are left because it's the most horrific sight of the franchise. You are left to imagine it in your own brain, being strapped to a cannon to drown at the bottom of the ocean, and then they come back and they they touch a little bit more on the experience of the person who was strapped in the next one. Uh, but it's it's still like a great. I think that's a great choice by Gore Verbinski to not to not film that and just let us imagine that. Yeah, and and like uh, and, and like I said like earlier earlier in the review, like the way like people like t- give us like background information, like it's so it paints such a vivid picture of the past. Like you really like you feel like you did experience it, and like, you can like you let your imagination do the work, and it's it, it's a really it, it's a, it's a really good way to give you know to give story beats in this film, and. Yeah, just the way, like, like I said, like the most horrific, the most horrific death in this movie is one we don't even see. And like the thing, like the other thing about it is, like, we know he's not dead because of this whole curse thing. We know that somewhere out in the ocean, Bill Turner is out there 
just like strapped to a cannon. Well, oh, I, as soon as far as we know, as far as we know, as actually, the come out, yeah. actually, he wasn't part of the cursed gold thing oh, necessarily, because they, I don't think I think canonically they hadn't done it yet, or they'd taken it, but the curse hadn't set in yet, or something like oh. that. Because he does, he does die. Like it is canon that that Bootstrap died in the canon incident. Oh, and that's it? why they. But they need Will because the curse kicked in afterwards, and they had killed someone oh, that, that they needed. So that's why they need Will's blood. But like that's why in the next one, it's it's a reason why Bootstrap comes back the way he does. Oh, because he actually I did. I didn't know that. I, I always thought that like he was cursed, but he and he was just like shot to the cannon, just wait, just waiting until uh, you know, you know who picked him up later. But okay, well, good, good, good to know. Again, glad we, glad we brought you on so you can give us all these backstory beats. But anyway, we cut to. Uh, I love the I love the lore fights of the Caribbean. Sorry, it's it's, just, it's my favorite. No, no, thing. no, 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 no. It's it's actually this is actually like really <laughs> interesting. This is actually really interesting. All those backstories that I never knew before. So, uh, so yeah, we cut to the next day. We cut to the second blood ritual where they're not actually going to cut him on the hand. They're going to like cut his throat, spill all his blood because you know that'll that'll do the trick. <laughs> but uh, for the second time. For the second time, uh, Jack Sparrow comes in. He's, he comes in in an unexpected moment and drops it on Barbosa. And I honestly think, like, it reminds me of the line that uh, Jafar had in Aladdin where he's like, how many times do I have to kill you, boy? <laughs> I, ima- I, I imagine if they didn't use that line in Aladdin, they would have used it here. <laughs> and I do, love, I do love the look on Barbosa's face where he's just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Again? How, the, how does this keep happening? So, right. So yeah, uh, and we see that like you know Jack is once again playing this game. He tries to you know get them to go out where the Royal Navy is waiting for them. And he's gonna like blow them all to hell with their cannons. But and he's just like to the boats, and he's like, "Men, take a walk." And in return, he's gonna get he's gonna become captain of the Pearl once again. Take a walk. Take a walk. So and it also it also helps that Commodore Norrington's a jackass and he didn't listen to Jack Sparrow's, which. Jack Sparrow's, like, you know, his advice, which I don't know why you wouldn't, because who else is going to know more about this strategy than him? But, yeah, your, your funeral. Literally, your funeral. Uh, so, and this is, now coming to this next shot, this was my favorite shot of the movie when I was younger. Just because I always had a thing for skeletons. It's a shot of them all just, like, walking underwater. They're all in tandem. It's all, like, in slow, it's all, like, in, like, slower motion. And it's, like, it's, like, a really, like, creepy, like, it's like a really like, creepy stylized shot, and I love it. I think it, I think it looks absolutely incredible. I think that's another like reason why getting a horror director to, sh- to make this movie was a kind of smart idea because it's 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 imagery like this of just murky water and then silhouettes growing closer till eventually you see full blown skeleton pirates marching underwater. And then above the, and it's the anticipation of everyone on the ship has no idea what's coming. No, they think that they have the advantage, so they have to come out on the water. And freaking, they're just marching under the water until they come up and murder all of them. It's just a, hor- a horrific sequence. Is and it's beautifully, beautifully shot. Yeah, and and that's a fun fact. When I was younger, I had a, my, my grandma had a pool, and I always tried to like recreate this shot. I was like, like go all the way underwater and just like try to walk because <laughs> I I love that shot just so much. Favorite, favorite, favorite shot of the entire film. Uh, so and yeah, like like we said, like this entire crew, like 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 kind of like like Metal Gear Solid, like stealth mode. They all just come up, and like it's it's like really terrifying. They're, like choking them out, like slitting the throats. You don't see any blood, which is why we get that PG thirteen that PG thirteen rating. You got to keep, keep that. But 
yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a really like horrifying, it's like a really horrifying sequence, and it it, it all comes full circle when well, for, first of all, they have this like they have Pintel and Rigetti put on dresses to be a distraction for why? I mean, they would have yeah. just been they would have just been staring at that way regardless. There's no reason to make them do it. You just wanted to right. humiliate them, douchebags. And they also, but they I mean, also true. blow. That's a fact. They also blow their own cover, <laughs> where it's just like, where like they actually. You know what? I'm sorry. I I misspoke because the distraction wasn't for Norrington's crew. It was for the crew on the Dauntless, because they're the ones looking at it. They want to keep the focus on them, but like, they also like they blow their own cover. Like Rigetti gets pissed and starts like cho- like choking out. Uh, sorry, Pintel gets pissed and starts choking out Rigetti. And that's what caused them to blow their cover, right. and that's when they see like that's when like the the skeleton group just like goes full out, and they just like they no more stealth. We're just gonna start killing you, motherfuckers. <laughs> and cutting back to the treasure room, this is this is my favorite Jack Sparrow line, where it's just like, like I remember I was like I thought I had you figured, but it turns out you're a hard man to predict. And that, this is my favorite Jack Sparrow line the entire movie. He's like, me, I'm dishonest, and you're gonna trust a dishonest man to be dishonest, honestly. It's the honest ones you want to watch out for because you can never tell when they're about to do something incredibly. Stupid. And then he takes the they take the sword and starts to fight and starts to fight Barbosa. And th- this this scene like and yeah it does play into it does play into what he's saying still like he's still dishonest he just wasn't dishonest to Barbosa <laughs> well he he dishonest to everyone including Barbosa <laughs> and yeah this is where we right. get our basically our our final fight and yeah you do yeah that's watching it initially you do feel like there is a lack of a presence of well, not, not, not like a presence of stake but you feel like Jack this is a fight that Jack can't win because as we all know uh, Barbosa is immortal and he can't die no matter what no, no matter what Jack does uh, but uh, as the fight continues like Bar- uh, Barbosa stabs Jack I'm sorry uh, Jack stabs Barbosa and he's just like come on and he turns around and stabs him like watching this as a kid I was shocked because like he was my favorite character. I thought I legit thought like he was dead. I'm like, no, <laughs> what? Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow, no. But then like he steps back, and I love the reveal. Now, there. now it's like, good. No, I was gonna say now you know that like the main character never dies because they're gonna sit there and they want to spawn off like four or five four, extra four, movies. Five, you know what four, I mean? Five right. Movies. That's that's yeah. the beauty of this movie is. Is is when you watch yeah. it for the first time and you in it's original you have no idea what you're getting into you yeah. legitimately Jack could have died there and that would have been the end of the movie and like and yeah. Jack doesn't make it out of the first movie I, that could have legitimately happened that gives you that suspense but like it, it, that suspense is gone for the most part until At World's End like once we get to At World's End I think the suspense comes back and because that's supposed to be the end of everything so you don't know who's actually gonna make it right until we get four and five and so on and so on but well like, and that, as, as... I, I think that. Yeah, and as I was saying, like uh, the I love the reveal of this because like he he stabs Jack, he cut, he sets back, and then we see like he there's there was a part earlier where he grabs some gold and, and he grabs some of the Spanish gold and like put it back, but like he like really like sneakily like takes one coin and like puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. So so he so he himself is now cursed, and I do love the reveal of that. I love the design of Skeleton Jack. I love it so much it makes you forget that he should not have hair. <laughs> like have hair or a beard. Right. Like that, that that's that's how good these designs are. And so yeah, we have two we have two immortals fighting and one one mortal guy fighting two other immortals. So yeah, this, this is gonna make for a great fight. And while all this is going on, Elizabeth Swan goes on to the Pearl to free the crew in order to save 
in order to save Jack and Will. Which there is like one little bit I do like in this scene. I, I never really noticed as a kid. There's the two guys that are there watching the Pearl because, yeah, these pirates have better strategic planning than the Royal Navy. They just, they know to leave someone on the ship. At least one. But they left two. Uh, and they're just like, they're sitting there with a whole bunch of food. And like it's it's like a cute little moment. It's just like, what 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 should, what should we do? What should we do first? Let's just, let's decide now, just so we're ready when the moment comes. And it's like, oh, the moment never comes. But oh, and then like they get knocked off the boat <laughs> into pieces too. So as far as we know, like they're like, like those guys' bits are all all over in the water. But right. uh, a little bit frees the crew, and she gets a boat, and just like, okay, let's go help Jack. But oh, pirate code. Uh, Whoever whoever gets left whoever gets left behind stays behind. So yeah, they uh, Elizabeth has to go and save Jack and Will by herself. Uh, meanwhile, Norrington and his crew try and go and set and free the Dauntless. Uh, so yeah, the, they're fighting, and in the middle of it, Jack Sparrow like slices slices his hand, throws Will the coin, and, and continues fighting with, with Barbosa. But and the fight ends when he sees Elizabeth, points a pistol, he's about to shoot her. But then Sparrow shoots Barbosa and saying, just like, all these years and you wasted your shot. And then you hear Will in the background, like, he didn't waste it. But he, and then he like drops the coin and breaks the curse and then Barbosa dies. But I mean, if you think about it, logically, based on the, movie, the logic the movie is giving us, the way this, this really shouldn't have killed him. Because the, the way it's had to work is Will would have had to already drop the coin in when Jack shot, because when at that point when Jack shot, he didn't have any flesh, so no blood. This, it it really wouldn't have killed him. But this movie's so good. Additionally, though, additionally though, after he already drops it, like cuts his hand, puts the blood. As soon as the coin drops, the curse is lifted, and his and so he has a bullet right in his heart when oh, he oh, gets is that, back his mortality. Is that how that works? Same, and that's why, like, that's like all the other people on the shirt, on like the ship and everything. Like a lot of people on the ship die because they have a sword in them at the moment they get their mortality well, back. With, with, with Dreadlock Pirate, there was, there was a sword already in him, so I, I get why he died. Uh, but, and, and again, right. yeah, I call, him, I call him Dreadlock Pirate, but like, yeah, but both, so that was always a weird thing, just like, did, shouldn't have already gone through, but I, I guess you're right, because since he wasn't a skeleton, it didn't go through, so the bullet was stuck, so yeah, so when it did, when it did yeah. get lifted, that's when all the blood comes out, like, oh, so yeah, so actually, good good call, Caleb, good job, thank, thank you for that. Uh, so, it, I love and like I I do love this finale of like and like the the payoff to that like convention of he he's saving one bullet that one shot for the guy who took yeah. over his ship and he gets to pay that off. I like I just love that moment that like uh where it's just all these years you waste your one shot and he didn't waste it's it. just a great moment, you know. Yeah, so anyways, we then cut to uh uh we then cut to uh the next day as as we said, the uh, rest of the pirates jack the pearl <laughs> Jack, I didn't mean to do that. Jack the Pearl. Uh, so we got to cut to the next day at Port Royale. <laughs> Port Royale, Jack Sparrow has a reward for all the good deeds he's done for the East India Trading Company, saving Elizabeth, saving Will, stopping the Black Pearl. He still gets hanged. He still gets sentenced to death because uh, Governor Swan is a dick. And so and so is uh, so is James Norrington. But again, we'll get to, we'll get to that sure. in the next few movies. And Will, Will, who has now become the Zorro, Captain Morgan, Scarlet Pimpernel, I don't know. I don't know what he's wearing. But he, uh, he decides to use this opportunity to break Jack, to save Jack. 
in front of all of these in front of all of these people, which again, I'm pretty sure Jack could have done this all by himself, but you know, he 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 needed the help. So, yeah, Will. Which, by the way, Will was actually pardoned for all of this, so playing playing favorites. I, I, I see. So yeah, he he bre- he breaks him out, but it does. This escape attempt is not as successful as Jack's other ones because Will Turner is no Captain Jack Sparrow, so they get caught. But at the same time, he decide they decide to let him go anyways, just because you know it is the right thing to do. He should have been le- he should have been let go from the goddamn get go. Uh, so uh, Will uh, Jack Sparrow falls off the edge. He gets picked up by the Pearl, and he is now Captain Will and uh, Elizabeth decide to finally you know. They they finally get together and that's where the movie ends basically. Uh, Norrington decided to get the Black Pearl also, a one day's head start, and there's also a post credit scene. Yeah, Mar- Marvel they are up they are uh, you know getting to that post credit scene ground before Marvel does as we see that the monkey who's also whose name is also Jack goes to the stone chest and takes takes another coin and becomes cursed once again. So yeah, he is now an undead monkey. Who comes? Who somehow find somehow finds way back to the pearl? I'm not sure. Caleb, do you know how? Did you know everything about this franchise? Uh, uh, he just that, there's no explanation to that. But there's in, in Dead Man's Chest, they give you a lot of throwaway lines at the beginning that actually give you a lot of cool interstitial story. That is not one of them. But like uh, my favorite, there, the fun fact: there's also a post credit scene on every part of the Caribbean movie, there except is. for two. Except for two. Um, but no, no two, two uh, has one. Two has one. Two does not. Two does. Two does. It was the one where the dog is the leader of the the tribe people. You know what? You are correct. Actually, I take it back. That does have one. You were right. I forgot all about that scene. But (laughs) um, no. Overall, just as a as like a finale, a closer, it has the best bit of fan service to a ride. If you were a fan of the pirates ride, just them going off on the ship and just him just reading the map or the compass is just and really bad eggs. Drink up, me hearties, yo-ho, and ending by singing the lyrics to the pirate song is, like, awesome. Yeah. It's one then, of my favorite endings to a movie ever. Yeah, then cut, then cut to credits, then cut to the awesome pirates theme, cut to the credits, and then, boom, movie's over. So, yeah, we t- that is Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. So, uh, final thoughts. I'm going to go to Russell first. Russell. I really enjoyed it. I think this is still the best of the, the Pirates franchise. I think like kind of what Caleb said, it's just, it has all the feels. And to me, um, the runtime doesn't drag in this film. Like, like we'll talk about later on with uh, like a lot of the things that are the problematic from like two on just the, uh, the length of these films get really grandiose and it just, it kind of gets boring. This film was just fantastic from top to bottom. Um, really love the, uh, the chemistry between Turner and Swan's characters. I really like that. Um, and then even the introduction of Johnny Depp as uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is just fantastic all around. Um, I think, you know, and again, kind of how we, you know, I had alluded to before, it's the three of these stories all interweaving together that really make you invested in this film. And I think that's the beauty of this. And I think when we lose sight of that in the back end of this franchise is when we kind of don't do the, the franchise serve, you know, we do it a disservice, I think. But from top to bottom, fantastic film. Love Gore Verbinski's uh, direction in this film. Love the choreographic, uh, the fight scenes, the the chase scenes, the the like I said, the score. Everything about this film is a fun film. It's a fun Disney film, and when you look up summer blockbuster, this is definitely the uh, definition of a summer blockbuster. Uh, agreed. I I also really enjoy this one. I'm uh, actually going to go to Caleb next. Caleb, uh, your final thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl. 
Where to even begin? Uh, this is this is honestly one of my favorite movies of all time um, because I think it helped define my love of storytelling in a very specific way in the way of lore and storytelling. And you can tell a, an elaborate world and build a world with a lot of fun characters and story uh, as long as you know what your point is, where your story is, where you're going. And like it, it's the blueprint for me as like a writer of what I strive to do is every story to have characters that are as interest as interesting and entertaining as the most secondary characters of this movie, as the sets and the design of this world. Like I think Gore Verbinski's doesn't get nearly enough credit for how he crafts this movie. It is a very well-crafted film. Um, and I think it's the beginning of one of the best trilogies. I know people can not like two or three that much as much as one. I agree. One is always going to be the best one because it's the, it's the simplest. It's the one where it, it boils down to, this is just a pirate story and it's the most basic. We're going after cursed gold. It's just, it's the most simple pirate story. So everyone's going to love it. But like, I love the things that they plant that Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio plant within the script of this film, the references to uh, when they say to the locker with you, they aren't just saying a regular pirate phrase. That's a thing. And you're going to see it in the next movies. And like just the name drops, the the world that they build in small, meaningful ways is just really impressive. And I will always hold this movie really dear to my heart. Um, the score for this movie is maybe my favorite score for a movie of all time, just because every time I hear it, I just I, I get transported back to the the Caribbean with everyone. Just I think it's a beautiful, fantastic theme, um, and I, I genuinely think Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow is one of the best performances uh, of of the decade. Uh, it's one of the best characters that Disney's ever made. I just I, I love Pirates of the Caribbean and it for for a lot of people they have their thing. A lot of people at the MCU, it's Star Wars. My Star Wars, my MCU will always be Pirates of the Caribbean. That will always be my thing. Uh so I love this movie. That was beautiful, Caleb. Um yeah, I agree with what you guys said. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think yeah. this movie like really, really holds up. One of like the best probably one of the best action movies or action adventure movies of the past uh, of the, the, maybe the past like twenty years, uh, yeah, it's great. It holds up. It has some like really fun characters, some fun action. Uh, has like a great vibe to it. I love the tone. I love the style. Everything about this film uh, holds up. One of, one of my favorite live action Disney movies. And yeah, I can, it's gonna, I'm gonna. It's very gonna, it's gonna be very interesting. We we'll talk about the rest of this franchise in the weeks to come. But that's gonna that's gonna do it for us here on the show. So, uh, uh, Caleb, thank you for joining us. Uh, anything you want to plug before we head out? Um, I basically do everything that I, yeah, you can find me on at Multiplex Entertainment on YouTube. I run the Fandom Fights division, um, where we have sort of geeky stuff like this. We have Pirates of the Caribbean in that division, not as its own category, but you pick Disney Live Action. There's a chance that if I'm writing the match, you'll get something from it. Um, uh, but yeah, and we, we also have a bunch of other shows like Your List Sucks with Cody Newberry, Multiplex Movies, uh, with Tim Bacala, a lot of good stuff. So, uh, come over, come play, come watch, come hang out with us. It's just a bunch of people on the internet that like movies. So, all right, right on, right on. And Russell, you want to give our plug for us? Yeah, a face Facebook. Our group is notorious by chance. We will not have any polls up this month, obviously, because this is March Madness, Pirates of the Caribbean month. But go ahead and get on to that. Uh, you can find polls when we post stuff starting in April. Um, we're at like almost like 310 members, so we're really growing it. We're really excited about the content we're putting out. Um, also head over to YouTube notorious by chance is the YouTube handle. Uh, we're going to get back into that. We're going to talk all like new releases and things like that trailer reactions and stuff like that. 
But uh, that's where you'll find that on YouTube, and that's pretty much it. If I may, Twitter, Instagram, Chance Wars underscore 91. Uh, check it. Uh, I'm going to start on the podcast again, up again, very soon. PWC at Podcast of Clark and then with Art Parker, uh, hopefully in the next coming weeks. And uh, yeah, uh, watch Smowdown on the Patreon. Uh, I believe, okay, as opposed to this, tomorrow will be Smowdown Throwdown, where me and my partner, Mike Kanoski, are going to be taking on the family, Jim McQueen and uh, Andrew Guy. Uh, yes, uh, get that live stream. It's going to be on 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And if you're going to be in L.A. Uh, uh, for on March 21st, uh, be sure to get your tickets for the Schmodown free-for-all, 40 competitors. Uh, one winner is going to be great. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can confirm my involvement yet, but I'm going to be in it. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, as again, thank you, thank you to Caleb for joining us. And, yeah, we will see you next week for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Oh, boy, that's... That's going to be a wrap. Movie's dope. Movie's dope. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see you next time.